Joe time, a-holes. I wonder where a guy, an everyday Joe like myself, can find a little action. Go! Blackhawks fans around the world, you've endured 49 years of frustration. Lord Stanley's new address is sweet home Chicago. For the second time in four seasons, the Chicago Blackhawks have won the Stanley Cup. For the third time in six seasons, it's one goal achieved. The Chicago Blackhawks win the Stanley Cup. Hawks win! Daryl Sutter! Greetings, Blackhawk and Hassel Tribe. Today is Tuesday, July 25th, 2017. Thanks for downloading and actually listening to the Blackhawks Blogosphere's most looked down upon deplorables for this Puck and Hassel Shoutcast number 87, the Donald Brashear episode. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I don't even know what that was. <laughs> but anyway, welcome to our lonely, desolate little corner of the World Wide Wine, where we have been affectionately anointed the meatballs of the hockey podcasting world, thanks to our iTunes reviewers, and where we gather every couple of weeks to make Blackhawks podcast great again. We will make America great again. Thank you. Thank you very much. We are also the self-proclaimed favorite podcast of Jake Pro, Jake McBoy in the Australian chapter. D- darling, the motherfucker. Stay in the fucking neck. Eloisa in the Brazilian chapter and Burns Churches in the South African chapter. Wouter Peters. I am Gatekeeper, your favorite vertically challenged loudmouth goalie and the purveyor of this grand mess. I am all by myself, and I don't even have the sound clip of this song. I wish I did. I'm all by myself tonight, but uh, I have brought in a couple of guests, um, the Last guest we had, which was uh, from Smoky Denver, Colorado, from a website you may have heard a time or two, Blackhawk Up, Mr. Aaron Goldschmidt. Hello, sir. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> uh... You done messed up, A.A. Ron! Oh, there it is. <laughs> well, you better be sick, dead, or mute, A.A. Ron. <laughs> All right. <laughs> And also, a first-time guest here, formerly of Black Hawk Up, currently writing for Second City Hockey, Mr. Mario Tarabasi. Is that how you say it? Yeah, yeah, okay. you got it uh, first try. All right, well, here you go. There you go. <laughs> like a bossy. You know, I was, you know, I was expecting that, but that I've never heard that version before. So that was, that well, was that, good. That was, that was a brush. Of, well, brush that's of what fresh I figured air. when I was combing the internet for stuff. I'm like, a Trump version of the Mario song could not be any more appropriate. So, <laughs> oh, God. too bad we can't have Patrick here to, to enjoy that with us. <laughs> Where is a a Ron right now? <laughs> uh, I'm here. <laughs> so anyway, um, 
for those of you who aren't aware, uh, the three of us were at uh, Blackhawks prospect camp pretty much most of last week together. So we have lots to talk about. But uh, before we actually get into Blackhawks stuff, I want to uh, uh, let's get get rid of a few uh, housekeeping things here. First of all, we got a couple of new um, reviews that I haven't had a chance to read yet. So I'm going to read them because I promised everyone whether they're good or bad, I'm going to review them or I'm going to uh, read them on the air. First one is from TViz, who I think follows us on Twitter. First one was, uh, this is probably the best Blackhawks podcast channel available on iTunes when they stay on topic. Uh, the latest episode with A.A. Ron was probably the best one because they used good analysis and had fair opinions to talk about the Blackhawks for three hours. So thank you very much. For that. Thanks, nice. Yes. Dickweed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was that was nice. TV is to actually take out the time because it it is a pain in the ass to review the stupid podcast online. No matter who you're reviewing, to to actually get to the place where you actually put a review in is just it's harder than reading Blackhawk up. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Game over, guess man. What? It's game over. Guess what, t This one's going to be four hours to strap in, buddy boy. <laughs> and then we also have another one from Crossbuster X Kearney. Um, this one, he actually sent me a screenshot of it because it doesn't seem to be showing up on our feed. But it says, a Blackhawks fan from the Wirral, England, England, UK, who has been listening since the start. The podcast has gone from strength to strength with new additions, including a brave transgender hockey fan and... <laughs> A Canadian silent Bob type person. If you want to hear a couple of fatties blowing hard into the microphone, you've come to the right place. Keep it up, lads. Good stuff. So <laughs> thank you very much. Yes, Satan. Thank you very much for that. Um, listening over to the pond, UK. I love the UK. So it's nice to know that anyone actually pays attention to hockey over there. So that's that out of the way. Um, couple of things uh, i brought up last time the no ketchup on eggs thing that was the uh that was the uh it's my dog snorting in the background if you can hear that um that was the poll that was put up from uh uh mr i forgot his uh twitter name but he challenged me to a uh a twitter poll and uh if i won the no ketchup on eggs poll he was going to take me to a game so i'm gonna have to pick a game that he's going to take me to this year because you were definitely on the uh, the right side of that. Yeah, no ketchup, ketchup on, on eggs. Yeah, ketchup on eggs is disgusting. Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, that is... Uh, <laughs> my fiance likes ketchup on eggs, and every time she gets... Uh, she gets a filthy look every time she tries doing that. And she tries to make <laughs> the kids do it. Which, if you're a kid, I can understand. But once you're an adult, no, no, no ketchup on eggs. So... Once, once you're an adult and you know what what foods should taste like, yeah, you should yeah. you should understand what uh, what to do. Yeah, like I said, it's the it's the kitty's condiment. So, and I'm I'm, sh- I'm shutting this conversation down. <laughs> I can't do it again. <laughs> Go home to mommy. Go home. Bye. Go home to mommy. <laughs> That's where Go I'm going. Go home to mommy. Tell her to tuck you in bed. <laughs> and then you look at Chicago. What's going on in Chicago? I, I'm just going to do <laughs> Trump clips for the rest of the uh, the rest of the night. 
Oh gosh. <laughs> so yeah, that 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 out of the way too. Um, we got the reviews in. Uh, any of you who are metal fans uh, went out to open air. I didn't get a chance to really meet anyone because I was only there for about half of Sunday. But uh, I did get to meet Brian Slagle from Metal Blade Records, who actually has his own metal slash hockey podcast called Metal Misconduct. So if you get it, if you like our stuff, he does a more, uh, you know, more a bigger NHL view. But he does it with uh, Sean Rourke, who runs the uh, who runs the NHL.com. I think he's in charge of all the writers, but um, he's a he's a bigwig at NHL.com. So uh, maybe at some point in time I can get one or both of them on our podcast. But uh, Brian's a good guy, so I want to send a little shout out to him. Big, big time legendary metalhead and uh, the uh, owner or the CEO of Metal Blade Records. But uh, download that podcast. They only do it like once a month, but uh, they they have some pretty good. Uh, uh, guests on there they've had a couple of nhl players and they had uh the lead singer of amana marth is a big hockey fan and they had him on there and uh they've they've, they've gone all the way you know they've, they've gone from having metal guys that are hockey fans to uh you know hockey guys that are metal fans and uh we we me and uh brian and i had a nice long conversation on sunday night with ozzy playing in the background about uh hockey and metal and stuff so thanks to brian for taking the time out to chat for a while uh i know mario went to the athletic chicago party tonight <laughs> i don't know if yeah. there's anything there's anything that you noticed or uh anything you want to talk about with that tonight anything? um i mean it was it was fun got to talk with uh uh scott powers a little bit got to talk with uh satchel price uh, head head honcho over at Second City also contributes for um, the athletic and mm-hmm. yeah it was it was good um, yeah we we can get into that later I don't want to spoil everything now but it was yeah. fun good it was a good experience yeah yeah it wasn't during the week maybe I could have done that but yeah yeah because I am I am to a have, subscriber too so yeah to have it on a Tuesday night um, was was an interesting call but but it was good <laughs> yeah no it kidding. was fun. Yeah, this is did like. You buy, a, uh, did you buy Scott Powers in old fashioned like I told you? No, well the thing is the the uh, the athletic must be doing pretty well because it was open bar. What? Um, yeah, yeah. So I was I was a little surprised at that, but yeah, for about a I don't know about an hour and a half time frame, it was uh it was open bar at this little divey bar called Nisei on uh, Clark Sheffield. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I know uh, uh, there was an article that came out this week somewhere that i saw they actually published the numbers of of how much the um the athletic has raised overall the entire athletic you know as far as like uh you know subscriptions and stuff like that and it was like i don't know it was 5.8 million dollars or something like that something wow. crazy like that yeah <clears throat> which is good more and more divisions being created like i guess they have college football now college basketball and all these people um, who may have lost their jobs in the past few months because of uh, the trend of journalism um, are getting picked up by the athletic. So we'll we see lost. how far they expand. Well, we lost Mario. I'm sure he'll be back though. Um, yeah, I I saw a couple of uh, new divisions and things like that, and uh, they're really picking up some good writers. I, I don't understand this whole going to video thing. I mean, 
Yeah, people want that immediate thing, but not all people want to watch videos all the time. Some people actually like to read articles and be able to like refer back to them, quote them, do whatever. And uh, yeah, what do you mean by that? Well, the video, the video thing. Oh, that's what a lot of uh, websites like Vice Sports and uh, basically what they have is like people just do like little quick like news blurbs on video instead of having oh, articles. Yeah, which is kind of I don't know. I mean, it, it's okay, like in the moment, like if, like, you just want to watch it once or, or or something like that. But if you want to be able to like refer back to things or be able to look up things, in, you know, look up for reference things in the past, like mm-hmm. that stuff's not going to be there forever. So, I don't, uh, I don't know. You there? Hey. There he is. Hey, remember how I said my internet was being weird? Yeah. Yeah, that's all right. The good uh, part geez. about that is, is because we have this thing going, you can just pop in and pop out. So if if your stuff goes down, you can just pop right yeah. back in. So we're good. Okay. That's what that's Sorry what Stankus that. does all the time. So you're good. Don't worry about it, man. All right. We were just. I don't know how much you guys uh, use the athletic, but my experience was pretty much initially. I want to read Scott Powers, so I'm going to pay the thirty dollars a year to read Scott Powers, and the Blackhawks stuff for me, like. He has so many resources. He follows the team as close as anybody, and he has the best stories. So just him alone is worth the 30 bucks a year to me. Um, and then they also say that, okay, you can have access to Toronto and Detroit and all the other markets. I, I don't really know if I want to be reading Craig Kunstis' stuff on the Craig Red what? Wing, but <laughs> it's cool that it's out there. You said Craig what? Did you say Kunstis's? <laughs> What did I say? It sounded like you said Custises. I, 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 I heard it. Yeah, I heard it the other way too. Yeah. yeah. Custises. Well, I guess Custances? I guess we'll find yeah. out later how much of a horrible person I am. No, no, you're fine. Um, but I, is I actually like. Is that what it is? It's Custance, Yeah. No, I actually like the Toronto writers because a lot of them cover more of the entire NHL. You know, because you get a lot of the stats nerds and all that stuff up there. But some of the stuff that you know they put out there is actually pretty good. And they and, and they uh, out of all of the hockey markets in in the uh, on the athletic, Toronto is uh, they cover like a lot of Canada. I guess uh, I was listening to uh, the PDO cast the other day, and uh, Justin Bourne was on there, and he's going to be writing for the athletic as well. And he even said himself, even though he's in the Toronto based part of the site. He's going to be writing about all the teams in Canada and probably we'll even cover some of, you know, the, the United States teams too. So, uh, don't, uh, don't shy away from the, the Toronto part of that either. Cause they, uh, they have some good stuff. So yeah, like Aaron was saying, like Scott powers is basically the reason that I decided to put in my, you know, $2 per month. And you know, get get as much coverage as possible for uh, for the Hawks, and having access to all the other outlets that they have can, I'm sure, down the line will be beneficial at some point. But um, even just for the local coverage, like, it's totally worth it. So, yeah, I I completely agree. I mean, I don't pay for anything if I don't have to. I mean, I'll pay for music because I've seen too many bands that you know are struggling to get their stuff out right. there because of the way music has gone 
but uh you know i'll buy cds of good bands and stuff like that and even even just bands that i know that i might not even i might not even like their music that much i'll buy their cd just to support them but this is kind of the same thing it's like all these people all these really good writers lost their jobs you know various from various different uh media outlets or whatever and uh now they've all come together in the same place so we might as well all support them because you're gonna get you know you're gonna get that good content and you're not gonna get that from espn clearly so right i was in when you dropped off i was telling aaron i'm like i don't understand this whole going to video thing that a lot of these sites are doing they're doing this like i don't know if they're doing like little like news clips where the people are just on video but there's there's like there's an immediacy to it that like it, it you're you're watching this little video clip and then it goes away and it's not going to be there forever like you can't go back and reference you know you can go back and reference an article from five years ago six years ago ten years ago you know if you want to just look it up and find it but these video clips are not going to be around forever so these people right. can just you know i, I don't know I, I like to be able to go back and read an article and take whatever i want to take from it and not have to like break down someone just you know just talking on video for three seconds or whatever so I, I know right, Voice I mean, Sports did that. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the front page of, like, Fox Sports, uh, their website now, it looks like a YouTube page. You know, it's just different different topics are all cut up by different, you know, little three, four-minute videos or whatever. But I'm with you. Like, I'd rather be able to, you know, read something in and, you know, take in the information, build off my own opinion from there. If you're just going to give me five – five minute segments from, you know, shows that no one's watching like Cowherd or Skip Bayless yelling at Shannon Sharp. Like I'm, that's not going to get me to click on, you know, your video. No. Of course. So but it's some of the apes out there. will, though, unfortunately that's the worst. Right. Part about of course. It. But any of us who pay attention, you know, as closely as we pay attention to the NHL or the Blackhawks, you know, I'll, I'll remember an article that was written five years ago you know, that I want to reference back about something and, uh, you know, I can go find it. Well, good luck finding a video clip of, you know, whatever said clip it is. Cause if it's not on YouTube and it's on some website somewhere that they had to purge things out from 30 years ago because of bandwidth or whatever, like good luck trying to find that again. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah, exactly. So I've got a question. Yeah. If you guys were the athletic Chicago, would you make the Blackhawks um, what is it called? Power Hour with Scott Powers and Brian Hedger. Would you make the podcast exclusive to the website for subscribers? Because right now you can listen to that for free. Uh, not yet. I think they're still trying to bring in. They're still trying to bring in some subscribers. So they're they're still like they're still putting some content out there for free. And the podcast. I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know that I. I mean, I, you know, clearly I make a podcast and I don't know that I would charge people to, to download it. I don't know that people would pay to download it, to be honest with you. So it's like, well, it's I mean, they would, like they would. It's for not sure. like paying for that. It's like, if you're a subscriber to all of our articles, you can also listen to these podcasts yeah. and, and I'll be honest, like. I really just listened to that one. I'm subscribed to the feed and I get like the bulls one and they have I some bears, that. but I really kind of just delete those. They need, they need to fix that because that each sport 
needs to be separated into its own because it's a pain in the ass. And that, and that's actually bucking the system because if you're subscribed to that podcast and say the Bears one comes out and you're subscribed to it, your your phone will download it and it will show as a download even though you didn't listen to it, which is kind wow. of bucking the numbers system. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, which is probably why they do it, but I, I think it's kind of a shitty way of doing it. <clears throat> I think they really need to separate. Uh, there was there was someone else. I think it was uh, it was Zawaski when they first started their podcast. It was like that. Like yeah, once you download, once you subscribe to their podcast, you got all this other crap that you didn't want that you're just deleting. But your phone downloads it, so it's it really counts as as a download. So right. There goes Mario again. He'll be back. So anyway, I don't want to get too stuck on the athletic or, you know. Yeah, let's, let's move, move on. Let's just say we're all fans of the athletic. Uh, the convention, Mario, I don't know. Did you say you went? Is that what you said? I did not go. Okay. I've also never gone. Yeah. I, I, none uh, of us I, have gone. I, so. Yeah. But there weren't uh, there weren't really any big developments. Like sometimes they, they you know, announce big signings or whatever. They did announce, and, and I was going to talk about this a little later, but I guess we could kind of uh, segue into this a little bit. Um, they did, like the day before was when Brian Campbell retired. Wasn't it Friday? I think it was Friday. Right. Or the day, the first day is when Brian Campbell retired. So that that was kind of the, the biggest news was that Brian Campbell had announced his retirement, um, if you want to call that big news. <laughs> it may or may not be. Um, and it kind of surprised me a little bit. I thought he may hang around. I thought, you know, he may get a chance. I mean, he wasn't going to go on any other team and maybe the Blackhawks straight out said, we're not going to offer you anything, you know, no matter what, even after the season begins, we're going to go in a different direction. We want to go young. We want to do whatever. So maybe that was what pushed him to do it. Cause he's not like, it's not like he was injured. He finished the season okay. He wasn't great, but um, I think he still had a little bit of tread on his tires. But yeah. So other than that, it was just the the normal crap. You know, the fluff. Everyone, you know, they they fluff up these uh, these panels, and there was nothing uh, nothing extraordinarily like controversial or anything like that. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty much, really, the the convention to me is for kids. It's for children. You know, oh, oh, oh. you bring your kids and they get to see Blackhawks and they get you know this. It's either that or the autograph hunters who want to get all their shit signed so they can sell it. But other than that, you know what I will say this though, I was kind of live tweeting during the the two days it was going on and uh it looked like everybody was having a lot of fun oh yeah um and it seems like this year was a lot more special than years past because they had these scratch and win autograph sessions they had these wristbands where you know players were signing you didn't know who you were gonna get and it seemed like every fan was tweeting pictures of them meeting multiple players it seemed like all the young guys were really happy to be there um, you know, all, all the big guys are out there. Um, Quenville is out there. They had those panels. I love that they had a, a college hockey panel. 
um, a Sweet Home Chicago panel. So I didn't really get a chance to watch all of those. But um, I was listening to the podcast they had there from WGN with Mark Carmen, um, and also – shoot, what's that guy's name? I can't remember. But they had Tony Esposito on, and he was telling a story about how – you know, he used to, after games, he would sit in the back of the plane and he'd have a six pack of beer and the coach would stand up and he would hide his beer and how different the game was. And I really wish that they would have more of that, of Troy Murray and Savard telling stories about Blackhawks back in the day. Like, I really appreciated that. So whether that be, you know, the kids asking questions in a session or the old timers telling stories about you know, back in the day, I, I appreciate that. It's cool to hear it's different content and, and it just seems like it was a lot of fun. So maybe I'd go someday in the future, but I doubt it just because it's mobbed with so many teenagers. Yeah. Well, that's, that's pretty much why I don't have a lot of interest in it, but I mean, if my kids want to go, I, I'm you know going to take them. But for me, uh, you know, it's a lot of standing in lines. It's a lot of crowds. It's, exhausting and for us especially we spent all day at prospect camp all week long like right i was spent by friday afternoon i i did not want to spend the rest of the weekend standing in lines waiting you know f- to get an autograph from yeah did we get know. mario back yeah he's back yeah hey we got gotcha. you hey what, what are your thoughts on the convention um i i mean i wasn't able to go um I think it's, I mean, I think it's a great event that they put on. Uh, Uh-oh. To have the, uh, you know, have the team available to um, to the general. Great. Yeah. I can hear, I can hear you struggling. <laughs> All right. Well. All right, so that's the convention. Um, we got a, I mean, there's there's a couple of NHL things, but it's not, there's not really anything exciting going on. I mean, <clears throat> one thing that might uh, interest some people is that today the NHL uh, 18 beta codes were released, which I didn't even know that. I haven't even been paying attention, so I didn't even really know that there was a sign up form. I didn't. I missed that. So um, thanks to denim danger on twitter for giving me a code if if it's still available but yeah we lost mario again um but he gave me a code so i'm gonna try it out we'll see what it's like but i don't know it's really the only game that or one of the only games that i play on ps4 anyway anymore it's the only game i've played on my xbox for probably the last seven years i'm a huge online team play guy yeah Uh, i know zawaski likes to play too i don't know if he's that into it but i was playing so much nhl 16 over let's see over the spring and fall last year that i was like 150th overall (laughs) at like left at defenseman and uh oh man it's so much fun there's a lot of uh there's a lot of really cool people on there even though it seems like there's a lot of trolls but once you get into like a good six on six games it's it's a lot of fun I'm pretty sure that last year I played online with satchel oh really I'm pretty sure yeah I think that's who it was it was like there was like a team of five of us that was all playing mm-hmm. like like you know from the Blackhawks blogosphere slash Twitterverse there was like five of us that were all playing I think uh Derek Harms was on 
The guy was on. Satchel was on. Someone, I think there were a couple other people who were on. <clears throat> I don't play online enough. Having kids, it's hard to get on. So, and now my kid has finally figured out what uh, um, Call of Duty is. So he wants to play Call of Duty every night. So he's been kind of taking over my PS4. Unfortunately, it's a fun game. Yeah. So. It's and it's fun to play with my kid because he wants he wants me to play with him so it's kind of fun. <clears throat> um, you know, there's I guess there's a couple free agents. I I should probably actually look at this free agent list because I haven't really in a while. But um, I'm trying to think since we Yager's still this. there. What's that? There's a lot of the old guys are still out there. Yager, well, yeah. Aginla, Shane Doan, who says he still wants to play. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. Um I don't know. Uh actually I had the uh I have the list of people who are available here. Um for a, a question later. So I'll kind of save it for that, but anyway, let's We'll see. Hopefully Mario will be able to jump back in. I know he's having connection problems, so um we'll just kind of roll through. And uh I see he's back online, but I think he's probably resetting his connection and stuff like that so we'll uh i'll play the i'll play the intro to the uh blackhawks and then we'll start talking about some more blackhawks stuff sweet So we didn't say too. We, we we didn't. We're only uh, what thirty minutes in, and we're finally we're getting to Blackhawk stuff. So it's not as long as it usually takes. <laughs> we're usually talking about Norton's. Uh, oh, and I do want I do want to give a little uh, happy birthday to Norton. I was hoping he would be on for this, so that uh, we could wish him a happy birthday. He's finally legal now, so as he gets ready to go off to uh, Kansas and start his college career there. Happy birthday. Yeah. That was uh, last Monday. So happy birthday, Norton. Uh, I kind of mentioned Brian Campbell a little bit, that he had retired to take a job at the front office. So he's going to be taking some kind of like, uh, I don't know. I I don't know what he's going to do there, but he's going to be involved with marketing somehow in the front office. Right. They said it was marketing... A little bit of uh, development, player development, and also he's just going to be the face of the franchise, pretty much what Jamal Mayers has been doing. Yeah. Which, I don't know. This, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Jamal Mayers, a fourth-line player, is the face of the franchise. Plus, they had Adam Burrish. They marched him out for the, for the, uh, the convention. So he was in a... They're, they're marching all these old fourth-line players. Plus, John Scott was there. That was kind of interesting. I didn't realize that they were going to be bringing uh, John Scott out for the convention. Yeah, I think that was more of him signing his books. Well, yeah, him. but, you know. It was cool, though. Yeah. 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 That's one similarity I see in the Blackhawks that also the Bulls do. The Bulls are actually really loyal to all their players. Seems like they'll give a job to guys like Randy Brown and – you know, all those ex-Bulls who became coaches. It seems like a 
a theme. With those well, yeah, two teams. The, you do see a lot of Blackhawks, like uh, Mr. Sheldon Brookbank, who I saw at uh, Hawks Prospect Camp. That's right. Former uh, fourth line winger, Sheldon Brookbank. Sheldon Brookbank. The for the for those like five games that he played wing. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> Mario looks like well, he's back, at least temporarily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm back. Hey, uh, and to to you guys' point, um, you know Daniel Carcillo makes a lot of appearances too yeah, around, does. you know, community outreach programs and whatnot. So they do a good, the Hawks do a good job of uh, keeping former players in the loop, and um, they might not might might not be the the highest, you know, cached names, but still guys that have been around. No, I, Carcillo was the one that actually came out to my kids. Uh little Blackhawks practice and sign. He signed sticks and stuff. So my kid has a signed stick from Daniel Carcello, which I found funny <laughs> nice. because I think I was actually wearing a puck and hostile t-shirt that day. And, uh, I've been, you know, I, I've railed on Daniel Carcello a couple times as a player. I don't really like him much, but you know, as, as a person outside of the game and all the things he's done outside of the game, I do very much respect. So, Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Can I make a plug? Go ahead. So I just saw this on Twitter today. I guess the Chicago Hockey Ch- Hockey Charity Classic is having an event for the Special Olympics um, Saturday, August 5th at 3 o'clock at the Fox Valley Ice Arena, home of the Chicago Steel. And it's going to be featuring Patrick Kane, Eddie Olchek, uh, Vinny Henestroza, Ian Cole, Megan Bozek, Dale Talon, uh, John Moore, and, and a slew of different uh, former Blackhawks and Chicago hockey, natives, actually, hockey yeah. celebs. Yeah, former so. uh, Chicago Wolves legend Bobby Nardella and Steve Malte. There you go. Yeah, uh, Brandon Perry, Free Perry, hashtag Free Perry. Yeah, Garrett Sparks, who is uh, he's a goalie in the Toronto for the Toronto Marlies, but he's from Elmhurst. Winfield's own Anthony Lewis. Yeah, there you go. Brian Noonan, uh, Sheldon Brookbank, the aforementioned Sheldon Brookbank. Read the third column all the way at the bottom. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Norton's favorite person ever. Oh, God. I don't even want to say that name. If anyone wants to look it up, feel free to go ahead and look it up. But uh, I am not going to mention that name because I don't. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a fan of that person. Uh, Anyways, G- Gino Cavallini. Yeah, Gino Cavallini. Steve Popst. Uh, Ben Eager, Ben Eager. That's another guy who go, who, uh, deals with that community outreach stuff. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, but that's a, yeah, that's a good plug. Uh, they, a bunch of Blackhawks like Vinny Henestrosa re have like, uh, tweeted out the link on how to get there. So if you go to like, uh, Henestrosa or any of the Blackhawks, I think if pretty much retweeted it or, uh, because there's not really like an easy link to go to, it's like to purchase tickets. Like, go to titch one dot ticketing. So yeah, just go find them on Twitter, and uh, click the link, and if you want to go buy tickets to that, that's actually a really nice rink. I used to live out there. <laughs> I just clicked it, and it said the URL wasn't found. So yeah, something's up. But so Vinny's uh-oh. Vinny's got to work out his social media. He probably copied and pasted or something. <laughs> and even yeah, like tweet 
yeah. tweet at Vinny Hinnestroza and tell him that the link is down. Yeah, Hinnestroza12. At Hinnestroza12. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, there's some... Yeah, uh, the other people on there. Yeah, Eddie Olchek and Tommy Olchek and, to- and Eddie Olchek Jr. So all the Olcheks will be there. It's like three generations of Olcheks. Ah, two. Because they're brothers. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Close, though. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so anyway. Yep. All right. So, Mario, we were just going to get into... We were just starting to get into kind of like the Blackhawk stuff. Um, okay. We talked about Brian Campbell a little bit. I don't know if you were around for that, but talked about how they announced his uh, retirement at the, uh, con- you know, right before the convention that same day. So that was kind of the biggest news of the convention other than that. Yeah. You know, I was I was a little surprised um, that no other team would have given him, you know, even just a, another, you know, one year million dollar deal. Because even last year, he didn't have, you know, a, a super stellar year, but he was still a serviceable, you know, NHL quality defenseman. So what? I'm surprised that no other team said, hey, you know, we'll we'll still give you a spot for another year. But that's kind of what just, I mentioned. But I, I yeah. I think he wants to stay in Chicago. I don't think he wants to go anywhere else. And yeah, yeah, I think he's done playing as far as elsewhere. He's not playing for a contract anymore. He just wants to play in Chicago, or that's it. And then I was, I was kind of mentioning that maybe, maybe the Blackhawks told him, "Hey, you know, there, there's probably, there's no chance we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, offer you a deal at any point. So, you know, do what, do whatever you have to do." But maybe maybe they told him that, you know, we're just going to go in a different direction. We're going to go young. Or maybe we've got some other people in mind for, you know, PTOs for camp or something like that. But um, clearly, you know, he was given an indication that he wasn't going to be needed. Yeah, it it became evident that he wasn't going to be a part of their plans for for 2017. So, yeah, well, I thought there were. Like like you said, I thought maybe there was a chance, you know, they they bring in for a million dollars, like after the season starts or whatever. Because for a million bucks, it's not a big, you know, a guy who could play. He 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 stays relatively healthy, and you could put him in the lineup somewhere. So yeah, you know, a, a relatively healthy defenseman that's experienced and he's not horrible for a million dollars. There there's a lot worse people you could sign. So. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's, I, I said it all summer. I was, you know, if he's, if he thought he still had the legs for one more year, you know, if I was a Blackhawks, I would have given him, you know, that I would have given him that one more year because it buys, it buys the team another year of developing some of their defensive prospects and giving them more of an idea of what they have for the future in a season where your blue line is going to be iffy at best. Yeah, well, that's are we are we digging deep into Blackhawk stuff now? Well, we will a little bit. Um, I was gonna. That's actually a good segue into the next one, which is today that uh, it was announced that uh, Johnny Oduya sang with Ottawa for one point two five million. That's with the bonuses if he reaches all of his bonuses, one point one point two five million dollars, and uh, I you know that's that's a decent value deal. A lot of people gave him, you know, I think he had a bum rap. I mean, people seem to forget that when he was traded here, he was coming off of a, an ankle injury. 
And then he just got thrust into the lineup back to where, you know, back into the middle of the lineup again. He was coming off an injury. Like, I think he could still, like, like I think him, both him and Campbell, for a million dollars, if you wanted to sign either one of them to, you know, to be a depth guy somewhere in, the, in there, like, what's the difference between, uh, you know, I'll just throw a name out there, Nick Schultz and De- Johnny Oduya, you know? For a million dollars, Johnny O'Doo, who knows the system, Quenville knows and likes. Like he may have had a whole full off season to recover from that ankle injury. You know, I don't know. I, I don't know if this was if this was clear, but it's a one million dollar contract with a one point two five in bonuses, potential bonuses. So right, well, it could be whatever two point yeah two five yeah, which is basically what Campbell signed last year. <clears throat> but I mean, still, I mean. I don't know. Yeah, and he yeah, did actually get a. I, I did read too that he got he got a, a no movement or a limited no trade clause in that deal. Yeah, ten team. Yeah, which it seems yeah, like I, everyone's getting no trade clauses now. So yeah, for a guy like Oduya, I feel like if Chicago was trying to see what you know what his terms were, if if he's having a, a limited no movement clause, they there's no way they could they could stomach that for a guy like him who would be, you know, a one-year deal. Well, that wouldn't they ma- that did wouldn't for make Sharp, sense. though. <laughs> they gave Sharp a limited no trade. So Yeah, but I, I mean, I guess if you go by history, who has more Sharper or Oduya? I, I think... More, you know, I actually think they could get more use of, of Johnny Oduya because their defense is so thin. Um, you know, right? Yeah. Sharp could end up falling down. You know, if if he doesn't have the legs, like like I don't think he does, then he falls down the depth chart, and he's you know third line third line player. I think Johnny Oduya or Brian Campbell would they would get more use out of him because the, just because there's a need for it on defense. So if if the Hawks passed on Campbell and they clearly passed on Oduya, it's definitely a sign. That they're saying, okay, well, we have enough in our system, and maybe well, we can go get somebody. Yeah. So to start the season, you got Keith, Seabrook, Murphy, and then a bunch of guys fighting for spots. Do you guys feel like they have enough there, or are they no, going to have to I don't. go elsewhere? Uh, well, that's a who, someone. I think someone had a question, and I want to point it out. Yeah, Ryan Liedig. Who is SMBM X Biker? Oh, I didn't see this one. Yeah, uh, basically said with the state of the blue line, I, I might as well just you know bring up the question now because so we don't forget it. Because otherwise, we'll just later we'll just be like, oh, we already answered this question. So he basically said with the state of the blue line right now, I know they might look they might be looking at uh, Cody Franzen. Who else would be someone you would think the Hawks would look at on D? I know we want to let the kids play and develop, but the A at the or developing in the AHL may be good for them too. So who would be a solid one or two year type guy that you would want to look at? So that's, that was part one of his question. So that's, I mean, I guess we could, since we're already talking about that, we can kind of answer uh, Ryan's question. Um, I'm, I'm looking right now at the list of free agent defensemen. Yeah, you got, and it's not, it's not extremely pretty. Um, You know, they, there had been a lot of scuttlebutt about, you know, Cody Franz and basically possibly if he's still available 
maybe coming in on a PTO in camp to try and make the team and get a, an NHL deal. Um, I would think, you know, someone might scoop him up before then. He's only 29 years old, and he played 70 games, you know, albeit with Buffalo last year, who was a pretty bad team. But um, from everything that I've read, he's had really good possession numbers and stuff, even though he was, you know, kind of a bad team. That you know, he's you know, six five, two twenty five. Yeah, I mean, he's not a small dude. No. And uh, which you know, they could probably use a little bit of size, because they've got they don't have a lot of big people. They really don't. Other than Seabrook, you don't have a lot of big defensemen on, in the, in this system or in the NHL. So uh, I wouldn't be Blade. opposed to it if, yeah, you, if you get him cheap, if you can get him, he made 2.6 million last year, which obviously you're not going to pay him that this year unless you wait until after the, the season begins. And then you can put, you know, Hosan LTIR or whatever the case is, but you're still not, I don't think you're going to want to pay Cody friends and $2.6 million. I think if a guy like Franzen gets to the point where, you know, it's, it's training camp. It's it's that late into you know September and almost getting to the start of the season, and all he's getting is you know PTO deals. I think you could be able to get Franzen on uh, on the cheap. You know, like you said, he was you know yeah. two point five, two point six million. There's no way he gets anywhere near that if he's if he's only getting trial contracts by yeah. the time camp rolls. Well, hey, listen to this this stellar list of defensemen. And this is listed by their, their uh, well, it's close to what, it says it's by their salary, but it's really not if you look at it. But first one's Andre Markov, who's 38 years old. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Weidman, who's 34 and made $6 million. Uh, Francois Bo- hit referees. Yeah. Francois Beauchemin, who's 37 years old and had a miserable failure of a, Stint in uh, Colorado. Uh, Simone Dupre, who was bought out, wasn't he? I think he was bought out by the Ducks. Yeah, he was. Uh, believe so. The number five guy on this list, Rob Scuderi. Oh, my God. Yeah, 38-year-old Rob Suckderi. Such a Rob. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then Cody Franzen, uh, Zabanek McCulloch, who's 34 and only played three games last year. I think he's injured. Uh, Jared Cowan, I think, is the same way. I think he was, like, injured. and uh, He's done. His career's over. Mark Stewart, who's 33. Uh, Matt Green, 34. Uh, Jakob Kindle, who's 30. Uh, Roman Polak, who's 31. And actually played 75 games last year. I'm, I'm not, you know, the biggest Roman Polak fan, but... Yeah, he's the only name out of that list that even, you know, gets any gears going in my mind. Yeah, Fetter Tootin, I mean, he played 70 games last year. He's only 34 years old, but I don't know that, like, Fetter Tootin's going to be... I don't think Joe Quenville is going to like him very much. Uh, Nick Schultz, like I brought up before. John Michael Lyles, who's 36. Eric Jelenaud. Mike Weber, who's 29. Um, and then you go down to like Yerky Yoki Paka and Michael Koska and a whole bunch of people. You mean Thor? Yes. Thor. Yeah. Thor's down there. Yes, he is. He's 31 years old too. 
So and then, and then you go further down the list and you get a bunch of people who are just, you know, Tim Erickson, <laughs> Adam Party, yeah, uh, there you go. Nate Prosser from I don't know where, where wherever he played last year, but he played 39 games last year. I'm just, I'm just looking for guys who actually played in the NHL. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's slim pickings on that yeah. on that list. So I mean, if you can get Cody Frenzen for a decent a decent amount, a million and a half, I'm not opposed to it. Bring him in. You you can never have too much defense, really, honestly. Yeah, especially when you're looking at the guys that they have that they might be even, you know, trying to toss into the lineup this year, like 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 a Billy Polka or Ugh. Eric Gustafson or something. Yeah, Gustafson's you know, like, okay, but Polka, I don't know, man. I don't know that uh, Quinville's going to like him a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, but, I Gust, mean, who Gust knows? Of wind? What's that? Eric Gust of Wind, is that what yeah, you said? Yeah. The Gust Bus, man. Come on. Get on the Gust the Bus. Gust, the Gust Busters? <laughs> that too. I guess the Gust Busters, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's slim pickings for sure. I mean, Jan Ruda and Michael Kepney and... You know, Forsling, we, you know, hope he's going to turn into something, but you know, he's still, he's kind of a big wild card at this point. Do you guys remember who we traded for Michael Koska? Was he... I can't find it because it was probably such a bad trade. Oh, I thought it was, uh... Was it like a second round pick? I, can't, I honestly cannot remember. I don't off the top of my head. It was, it was such like a non-factor that I don't really remember. Did he come from uh, Ottawa? Tampa Bay? Tampa, oh, Tampa? Bay. I thought it was Ottawa. Oh, he went to Ottawa. That's what it was. Oh, it says we signed him in a free agent. Uh, yeah, that was it. July of thirteen. Free agent deal. Yeah, because I was going to say I don't remember him ever. I don't remember we ever thinking like, "Oh, he came over in a trade." I remember just being like, "Oh, we we have this guy now." Yeah. And then he Anyways, left. They didn't no. resign him, and he went sign with the Rangers, and then he went overseas for a while, and then ended up with uh, Ottawa. So, I can just think of so many of these Blackhawks third line guys that you know they've won Stanley Cup championships with, and they're not outrageously good or even serviceable like uh, was Boynton on that team or oh, so blame Boynton. hashtag or... blame Boynton yeah he yeah. was on the 2010 team yeah so blame Boynton was... were what was that trade we traded second round pick for uh the dude from the Flyers what was that he didn't really play uh T- Kimo Timonen Timonen yeah so it's like all those guys on that list you read, like Boschman, all those guys are serviceable. They can still play a little bit on the third line, um, stashing them. But I, I don't know. I think they're really trying to play young guys right now. Well, they... well, that, I mean, that should be the direction that they're going because you look at how their core is either a dismantling or b just getting old as time goes on. You got to look at what you have in your prospect system what you have in your youth you know development and see what they have at the nhl level well and and i went over this a couple of podcasts ago but uh, bowman's history of developing defensemen through the system is 
Terrible. Stinks. Terrible. Yeah. So, you know, it, they have to do it now. And, uh, you know, Keith's getting old. If Seabrook leaves or doesn't leave. But, I mean, they've already gotten rid of Jomerson. And he was he was the one guy that they actually developed through their system that actually was significant. Like, the second one was Steven Johns of, like, the mm-hmm. most games played mm-hmm. that they had actually developed through their system. They thought Dahlbeck was a good prospect, too, but... He didn't do much on Arizona. Well, none of those guys that they've... Uh, Mike Paleota, uh You can go down the line of, of all these defensemen that they you know, thought might be decent guys and didn't do anything. Mike Paleota, like What's that? David uh, Runblad? I was going to say David, David Runblad, who's now playing back over in Europe. Yeah. Oh, God. Another guy. Yeah, second-round draft pick for that guy. Ugh. Yeah. That was the Christian Dvorak trade. Yep. Yeah. Oh. Yep. And not only that, but um, St. Louis ended up with Tarasenko because they traded David Runblad. I think that's what it was. Yeah. It's a good deal for them. (laughs) Yeah. 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 For sure. So I don't know. It's it's a weird, tangled web of shit. So is this the year of the poker party or what? Well, I think yeah, I'm sure he's going to make his debut at some point in time because someone's going to get hurt or something like that, and they're not going to. You can't count on Michael Roosevelt to, to, you know, play 30 games or some shit like that. So I got to no. think that he's going to make his debut. I mean, why would you re-sign him again if you're not planning on using him in some kind of significant place other than Rockford? They did it to McNeil last year. Well, I think they gave. Well, I think that was. Another story altogether. That was the Blackhawks pulling a Kyle Beach and refusing to give up on a first-round draft pick like they did with Dylan Olsen, like they did with Kyle Beach, like they did with, you know, Akeem Alou, like they did with all these guys who just ended up being junk. They they, They kept them one year too long, and I think that's the same thing they did with McNeil. They tried to get something out of them. And uh, when he didn't make the team, he basically just sulked and, you know, was there was nothing left. So he, he needed to go. So you describing a former NHL first round prospect as junk is one of the funniest things I've heard today. <laughs> they were Kyle <laughs> Beach junk. I mean, <laughs> Kyle Beach, look where he's at now. I mean, he, he what he played like one NHL game ever, if if that. <clears throat> yeah, I mean they they for a while there they were hurt, and and they refused to give up on those guys, and it you know it hurt them. <laughs> you know they they might have been able to trade McNeil like a year earlier for something more than they got or something like that. I mean I know they got no do you for him, but yeah, I mean even at some point last you know last before last season. People were still thinking, oh, you know, McNeil might make the, uh, you know, make the squad out of camp. He still had the the illusion that you know he could play at the NHL level, so they could have still gotten a little bit more for him, other than you know, middle of the season, Johnny Oduya. Yeah, I mean, actually, I honestly getting Johnny Oduya for for the corpse of Mark Mark McNeil was actually not a bad get because. 
you know, he was pouting. He wasn't playing well in Rockford. He wasn't putting up. I mean, he was he was doing okay. He was like leading a team, but I mean, someone's got to score on that terrible team. Right, the team was decimated yeah. by that point. Yeah, they were terrible, and he was pouting the entire year. I mean, I you could you could openly see it on. I, I me and Pat talked about this. You could see from the crowd the look on his face. He just did not want to be there. And yeah. if you could tell that on a player's face, like you're lucky you get anything for him. So the fact that they were able to get Johnny Oduya is a pretty amazing return because they should have really got nothing. They should have probably got what they got for you know Sam Carrick and uh, the other dude that was leading the team in scoring. They got nothing for those guys. Spencer Abbott. Yeah, they got nothing for those guys. Why did we do that again? Is that why the coach like flipped out Ted Dent? Yeah, well, Ted Dent flipped out because they traded their their three top leading their three top scorers on the on the team for nothing. For nothing. I mean, you got to do you back, but that's really nothing. So it, yeah, it was nothing that was helping the Rockford squad. So he was, you know, tweeted and then deleted a tweet about how you know displeased he was with the way that the organization i still have the screenshot of it (laughs) (laughs) someone someone uh, i think beth sweeney was nice enough to screenshot it for me yeah i should have screenshotted at the time but yeah that was yeah that was the final nail in the coffin he was he was probably done before that but that was the final pound of the final nail in the coffin Mm -hmm. so anyway Way too much time on Mark McNeil. Swipe right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Should you should you care about winning if you're a coach in the AHL? Like, obviously you want to win, but is it? I guess it's the question yes is: no. Is it really about developing players, or is it about winning the game? Yes and no. I mean, you wanna you wanna have a winning culture. You don't want people. You don't want to be developing players in a losing culture. It it. You know, people get in a bad mindset. They're not having fun. They're complaining. They're you know, overcritical of well, I'm not getting used here, or I'm not getting used there, or whatever the case. I mean, you you could take it with a grain of salt as long as the team is competing. You know, and there's a good you know feeling around the locker room. I think that's you know sufficient. But if your team's like in last place and and really your team is just getting pounded every game, like I can understand you being upset and, you know, being upset with the the three guys who actually did anything for that team being traded away. You're like, oh, well, they're, what am I supposed to do now? You know, you're not developing anything then at that point in time. Yeah. Yeah. I look at a team like Toronto, you know, they've been rebuilding you know, over the last couple of years and the Marlies, I think it was two years ago, had the best record in the, in all of the AHL and they had all their, all their prospects developing. So, you know, you talk about developing in a winning culture. I mean, when, when your team is at the NHL level is crap and, you know, you have, you have good things going on in your minor league process, your, your minor league system, you know, that can kind of build up and, spill over to the NHL level once those guys move on to the next level and then you see what, what they did last year. So if you have a team that's, you know, well, at, the, at the bottom of the standings, that's that's not going to help you because the mindset's not going to be, you know, on, on a positive note whenever prospects, you know, make their way up to the NHL. Well, and, and, and that's a great point because if you look, 
a prime example of that is Pittsburgh. Their coach basically uh, came up with all those young players, the Connor Sherry's, the, the Jake Getzels or whatever, all the younger players that are coming up into the Pittsburgh system all came up with, with the co- their current coach now. And mm-hmm. they had a winning culture in the AHL or whatever. And um, they all kind of grew up as, you know, kind of a, a brotherhood or whatever. And then they come into the NHL and they're all having success with that same coach. And that just basically backfilled all the stuff that they didn't have, you know, when they were getting, you know, ousted in the first round that depth they didn't have. Um, but it, it all started with the AH, you know, them having success in the AHL. So. <clears throat> so what does that mean for the Hawks? Is there going to be some sort of bubble in between us refilling and restocking our farm system and the team now? Uh, so we have to... Maybe, <laughs> you know, I, the, the thing about that too, though, is they kind of clean house in the AHL. Like a lot of the guys that were there last year, you know, with the exception of like Vili Polka and, and Eric Gustafson are gone. Like Jeff Glass is back, but they've got, you know, Matt Tompkins. They've got Jeff Berube. Um, you, almost all of their forwards are all guys that um, are coming in new, you know, came in from junior or college or whatever. They don't they don't have a lot of turnover or you know, a, a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of forwards like, you know, say PC LeBray or any of these guys have, have all pretty much been let go. Michael Lada was gone. So I don't, you know, I think they kind of let a lot of those guys go. McNeil was one of them. He's gone. You know, Carrick's gone. Uh, the, the other guy, I can't never remember his name. I don't know why. Jake Dowell. Uh, no, Spencer Abbott, Jake Dowell too. Yes. But yeah, he's gone Jake, too. Yeah. Jake Dowell is kind of another story. You know, he's a veteran guy and, uh, but I think I, I don't I don't know. I think they kinda let I kinda think they kinda cleaned house, really, honestly. They did the laundry, cleaned a lot of the bad apples out. They're gonna bring in the young kids. They got the young coach. The guys that were worth keeping around, they've kept around, but there weren't a lot of them. I, I think maybe they did the right thing by kind of cleaning house down there. Yeah. That may be, but I'm still really, really worried that the ice hogs are gonna be really young and inexperienced because I've been to a couple ice. No, I haven't been to ice hogs. I've been to a couple of wolves games and I went to go see the ice hogs in Dallas in Austin. Um, not Dallas, Austin. Uh, I think it's the Texas stars. Yeah. And I saw Mark McNeil and Garrett Ross and those guys and, and they, they played a decent game, but the AHL is nasty, man. There's just a bunch of guys trying to claw their way to the NHL. And you have a five foot seven Anthony Lewis trying to skate around goons who are trying to plaster him into the glass. I just I worry about that team being really young and inexperienced. Oh, they're gonna be. I think I agree with you. A fistful of AHL and it's a new coach, a lot of new young players, a lot of college guys. Like this is not the college game. If you throw a punch in college, you get suspended immediately for like two or three games. Or it and taken out of that game. And there's a ton of fighting in the AHL. I mean, what do you guys think about that? I agree that they're going to be an experience and they're probably not going to be great this year. I think they could, They, I think it, the best case scenario is they'll be middle of the pack, maybe make the playoffs um, just for that experience of them, you know, being in pro playoffs 
I think that's that's the best you can hope for at this point in time. I mean, you're gonna have and and I I didn't want to talk about this this early, but you're gonna have probably Alex DeBrinket and maybe uh, Alexander Fortson down there, which are gonna be some guys that in the AHL are probably gonna be able to score some goals, for sure. Uh, you're gonna have some talent down there. It's just a matter of whether they're uh, they adjust to the pro game, the bigger players playing against adults. That whole, you know, that, that thing, which having some AHL veteran defensemen like Polka, like, you know, um, uh, Carl Dahlstrom, Robin Press, Robin Norell. Um, I, I, I'm sure I'm missing a couple of the other ones. Speedberg. Yes. Speedberg. Yeah. And you know, Gustafson, like having those veteran uh, AHL defensemen in there might actually kind of help those guys a little bit and uh, kind of like. It's kind of like what's going on in Toronto, you know, a bunch of young guys, a handful of veterans, you know, I'm, you know, a couple handful of veterans, but, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I don't know. I, I I'm, I'm going to keep an open mind. I think they're going to be fun because last year they were not fun. Uh, you're going to see some young goalies probably play. I'm hoping that, um, you know, we don't see too much Jeff Glass. But yeah, I'm 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 on the same mind mindset. I th- I think you know they they might get you know a little bit of shit canning in, in the AHL. But if you're if you're you know on the younger side of of, of your career, it, coming into a, a new experience, getting into the pro level, like maybe you do need to get a little bit of you know get roughed up a little bit to 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 catch up to speed and you know, really understand what the, what the program is all about. The ice hogs are going to be more interesting to watch this year than they were last year, because you actually have prospects and, and, and younger guys that are worthwhile to, to watch and see like, you know, what the future of, you know, Chicago's franchise might have in store. Whereas in, you know, previous seasons, it was kind of like, well, there's this, there's this guy like a Mark McNeil, but he's never really going to crack the NHL roster or, you know, same thing with uh, like, like a Jake doll or a PC Labrie, like these guys, they're there, but they're never really going to, you know, have a spot in Chicago. So you have a roster full of young guys with, you know, opportunities there. Though They may not be good, but it'll be at least interesting to see like how they develop. I, yeah, I, I, like going there last year, there was like not a whole lot to watch. I had just missed no. um, Schmaltz's couple of games that he was there. Um, they had just called him up like the day of when I went out there, and uh, so I didn't even get to see him play out there. But uh, I, I mean, it was bad. I watched uh, Matt Carruth throw a tantrum on the ice because he was pulled out of the game after giving up like four goals in 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 like twenty two minutes. And, uh, Jeez. yeah, it was, it was just horrible. It, it was bad. Um, but just, just to, I'm kind of looking at what they have on the roster, which is not much, but, um, you're going to have Luke Johnson back and Kyle Bond probably is going to be back this year. So those are a couple of like, you know, veteran guys, Henestroza may or may not be there. Uh, yeah. you're going to have Anthony Lewis back again. Uh, we saw William Peltier in, uh, in prospect camp. He finished the season last year there, so he'll be back. 
So you can have a couple of guys that got some experience around uh, to kind of help these kids out. You're not going to be flying blind. But um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting and new. I think it's going to be worth going to see some games for sure, at the very least. Oh, def- definitely, yeah. yeah. I was able to get out there towards the end of last year and caught a game after they brought up all their college guys with uh, Snuggerud and Icapelli and those guys. And, and they were, you know... They came in. They they'd come just come off at the end of their college seasons, and they were easily the the most energized players to be there. Once you know Rockford was definitely out of the playoff picture, and you know post gutting of the of the team of any assets that they have, those guys. I mean, they they shined in the in the roles that they were put in, and you know those are guys that through prospect camp. You know we all we all looked at them. Uh, you know, over the week and thought that they, uh, you know, they, they show some good flashes. And I think those guys are all going to be, you know, names to names to take a look at uh, going into next season. Yeah. I Capelli especially. I mean, uh, Aaron, you and I were, you know, kind of gushing over him in, in, in the individual drills of, you know his his size his his the way he's able to move and the, the shot he has i mean i i think and you know this might be a little little you know wishful thinking but i think he has an outside shot of being you know down the road this season you know maybe a guy that through injury or you know a player that you know may not be playing up to snuff of what chicago expects of him you know i could 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 be a guy that could sneak onto the the NHL roster if, if given the right circumstances. Yeah, I've been really high on him ever since I saw him uh, play Denver with Western Michigan. And I wrote about it that night that he reminded me a lot of the Pat, what Patrick Sharp does on the power play. He kind of is that he's sitting in the defenseman's spot as a fourth forward. And last year he scored 20 goals with Western Michigan. And they feed him the puck at the top of the point. He picks his spot and just blasts it. And, and his slap shot's have, for real. His he, wrist shot is nasty. It's he had a best. hell of a shot. Yeah, for sure. Unbelievable shot. Yeah, and, he has a really um, good shot. You know, the rest of his game needs developing, and he'll get that in the AHL. But I completely agree with you. I think if they're struggling, I don't think he's – I don't want to put him in the bottom six because we don't really see that from him. But – so I mean, how much scoring have the Blackhawks lost this year? They have to really recover a lot from Hosa, from Panarin, um, from other guys on the team. So if they need scoring in the middle of the season and somebody goes down and Icapelli's doing well and uh, he's developing down there, I don't see why not. Yeah, uh, I think he could play. He could definitely play a third line role. I mean, fourth line, eh, I, I think it's a waste. You just. You know, because they don't really use the fourth line much anyway, and they're not going to use them. They're going to use them even less this year without Kruger around. So I think, but I think he could play on the third line somewhere. Um, you know, with his if size. Like a, if you have Hartman and Icapelli flanking on the third line, I mean, Hartman's no stranger to scoring. Yeah. And if you have Icapelli on the other side, I mean, oof, that's that's pretty nice. You mean you mean in Patrick Sharp's uh, spot? yeah um yeah Yeah, that's that's the thing is like it's it's probably got to be like you know an injury uh circumstance where he gets you know he gets moved up because if you're saying because if because if you look at it is it you know are you going to call up a guy like ike over 
like a Hinnestroza or a Hayden or, you know, maybe even a David Camp, you know, what, see what, see what he has at the, at the NHL level. Probably not. I think so. I think they saw a lot of Hinnestroza last year. Well, his problem was um, he couldn't finish. That was the, that was his problem. His speed was fine. He just couldn't finish. That was where the guy where played the fifty was. games, um, fourteen points. I mean, he he got pretty much a pretty good look last year. I, I don't know. Well, I mean, it it all depends on how you know how they're playing in their current season. Really, honestly, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, if Ike Capelli, you know starts off the season scoring, you know, six goals in his first 10 games or 15 games or whatever. Uh, the first call up could be him. It just depends on who's hot at the time. Really? Honestly, I mean, that's we, why, that's why I put 14 in my top 10, um, Blackhawks prospects as number one is because he's got the speed of, I don't know if he's as fast as in but he's got great speed, great positioning, and the guy can score. He's, He's he can produce, so you it's, take the speed of Hinnestroza and maybe I wouldn't say the shot of Icapelli, but the productivity and and you have the best of both worlds there. That's Double J's guy. Yeah, John Jacobs. I loved guy. him last. I year. like I yeah. loved him too. I was I was fully on board for you know for them taking him to Traverse City and then offering him a contract. I said coming out of prospect camp, he deserved it. He, that he won he won a spot so. Well, that's I'm the Hawks game. It's, totally it's play great defense, turn the puck over, get the puck up the ice to a guy who can bust down the ice and kill in the transition game. And that's him. Yeah. Yeah. He, I, I'm not as, I'm not as optimistic about 14 playing in the NHL, but that's just because I'm all, uh, I'm a little more on the cautious side with guys who have never played in the actual NHL. Not, you know, you know, not preseason games or whatever, but I mean, two years ago, Kyle Bond broke the season with the Blackhawks. And last year, Tyler Mott opened the season with the Blackhawks. So anything can happen if a guy gets hot in preseason. You never know. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and to say that 14 couldn't, I mean, in uh, he didn't. we didn't see him at prospect camp, but he interviewed, and, and he said he put on 20 pounds since last summer. Yeah. Now, that, I don't know if that's good or bad. I mean, that could be, you know, eating hamburgers. But, you know, if he put on 20 pounds of muscle... That's that's scary to yeah. opponents because twenty pounds of muscle on that guy. I mean, he he wasn't super thin, but he was a thinner dude. Uh, to, if he put on twenty pounds of muscle and he can still move, man, that's going to be dangerous. Yeah, after hearing that, after hearing that quote that he had put on that weight and said that he still felt as fast as he has ever been, I would have liked to have seen it at prospect camp. Me but, too. Um, you know, training camp I think will be will be a big telling point for a guy like 14 a guy like to who who definitely will be at training camp for yeah, sure yeah um you know the, these top end prospects that you know we we saw it uh at camp um i yeah i think 14 if he can um if he can wow you know the uh the, the, the coaching staff like he did last summer uh again this fall then i you know why not give him you know a shot early on in the year See what he's see what he's got at the NHL level, and if it doesn't work out, okay, then he goes down to Rockford and develops a little bit. Yeah. Well, since we're talking about it already, we might as well get right into all the prospect camp stuff. Um, since pretty much this is the reason why we're doing this, why the three of us are getting it together. We spent a good good deal of time together at prospect camp. I was there uh, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. 
Uh, I don't remember which days you guys were all there, but we were almost pretty much there almost all the same days. Yep. Uh, we spent a good deal of time watching a lot of players do drills. We we were all there for the uh, the scrimmage on Friday, so we all got to see a lot of it. Um, I, I do want to give even a shout-out to my boy Billy Fatitz cause, uh, <laughs> from St. Louis. He actually came up here to uh, see a St. Louis or see a Cardinals game and actually Ubered over to watch uh, the end of the scrimmage with us. So more than I can say for nice. the rest of the uh, hostile crew, uh, he actually uh, joined uh, Aaron and I, we went over to uh, Kuma's Kuma's corner over on the new West side locate or the, the new near West side location and had ourselves a burger and uh, our, and our boy uh, Spo real seven Billy Beck who has uh, been a multi-time guest on our podcast, uh, was able to come out too as well. But uh, yeah, shout out Kuma's Corner. How about you sponsor us, huh? <laughs> yeah, when I had to leave uh, when I had to leave early on Friday yeah. and, and saw on Twitter that you guys went over to Kuma's, I was, I was a little sad. Yeah, well, Aaron, Aaron's like, well, let's go do something. Let's, you know, let's get a burger or something like that. And the first place I thought of when he said, let's get a burger was Kuma's. So we... Uh, yeah. He was able to keep the uh, motorcycle running long enough to get over to uh, to Kumas, and uh, it was a good oh time. Oh my god! Yeah, it was a good time. Good meal. I can't I can't tell you. So I, my dad has a 1972 Honda CB 350, and I found out that uh, the battery doesn't hold too good of an electric charge. <laughs> so I had to pretty much had to turn off the headlight for it to uh, continue riding idling at the right time. But yeah, I figured that out. Nice. But anyways, nice. yeah, I uh, I actually really enjoyed and talking talking to that guy um, who had lunch with us. He was a yeah. he was a cool dude. So appreciate the yep. conversation. Hopefully we can talk again. St. Louis Billy Beck. Yeah, um, it was a good time. Actually, we had a, we had a nice long Blackhawks conversation over some uh, couple of drinks and uh, nice big huge burgers. So uh, it was a good time. It was heated. Yeah. Yeah, it did get heated a little bit. That's uh, yeah, that was the. I was talking about your open open face burger. <laughs> that too, yeah. It was <laughs> it was heated when I got home too. Uh, the uh, the the toilet was heated. Let's put it that way. <laughs> wow. So anyway, um, as far as prospect camp goes, um, I'm gonna give kind of my overview. I've, I I put together a detailed uh, analysis. And I actually kind of gave a little bit on each person, which is what I do every year. But um, I started off with the bad news, which, of course, was Alex DeBrincat and Graham Knott, who really didn't do a whole lot of anything. Um, you know, everyone's, you know, five on five. DeBrincat showed a little bit more. He actually, you know, was involved in some of the plays. Okay, fine. Great. Wonderful. But, you know, he was supposed to be the guy that was supposed to go out there and bum slight all these guys. He's supposed to do something. He did nothing. So to me, I mean, it just tells me that, you know, he's not ready necessarily for the NHL yet. Put him in, put him in the AHL, let him season a little bit. And, and I'm sure, you know, down the road, I'm not saying he's going to be a bum. I'm not saying he's going to be a bust, but put him in, you know, don't, don't force him on the team. Don't give him these unreal ex- expectations. Just develop him and, and, and and put him on the Tevu Teravine and plan. Um, and, and, you know, if he if he dominates in the AHL, then, okay, fine, give him a shot on the NHL roster. But saying he's going to make the NHL roster today um, is, is is very much of a stretch. Um, Graham Knott, 
Um, you, Aaron, you and I, I think both had the same opinion on Graham. Not, I don't know what the organization sees in this guy. He's big. Graham, Graham N O T T. Yeah. He's big and that's it. They, uh, they were actually playing him at center, which is completely counterproductive because he's a slow player. So he was at center. He wasn't, he isn't necessarily able to keep up with the play. And I, and he's not even really a center. Um, I He's just big. That's it. He's a big guy. I mean, if there's a million big guys that you could sign to play. So I don't know, uh, you know, I really am not impressed with him at all. And I've been waiting for him to show me something, and I've seen him for three camps, and he's shown nothing in any of the camps. So at this point in time, I don't know if they're just trying to save face or what. But You know what the problem with him is for me? The biggest problem is the guy looks like he could be really good. His size is great. Um, it looked like he could have good speed. It looks like he has actually good hands. Um, he scored a couple of nice goals uh, driving to the net. So he looks like a potential Artemisimov, Kevin Hayes type of you know six four center. But he's not good at faceoffs. I mean, he's he's big. He doesn't use his body. You told me when we when he was taking faceoffs, or maybe it was Mario. Like at one point you're losing draws. Don't you stick your skate in there and don't you try to just manhandle a guy and win the puck? But he wasn't doing that. He was just losing draws clean every time. Um, I, I kept saying, this guy looks like he's skating with cinder blocks on his skates. It was just really frustrating. And I almost thought that Bo Starrett was further along than him. And he was just coming off a serious injury at college. Or even but, Vandra. And both of those guys are big guys, but they can move pretty well. Good hands. They didn't look completely out of place. Not showed nothing to me. You know, the inter- interesting about, thing about Starrett, the way he skates is like, it's not like a Marion Hosa where, where Hosa's like 6'1", and he kind of puts his head down and, and has a really nice stride. But Starrett kind of straight skates with his back up, like his back just straight up in the air, almost like a Ryan Getzlaff. But he's got good hands. He can handle the puck. And, and Starrett was playing center and passed the puck really well to his teammates. He could skate through the middle of the ice. So I saw a lot more from him than I did from from Graham Knott. Yeah, he rem- and and this is gonna this is a callback to people that are, you know, probably older than you, Aaron. Uh, which is uh, he reminded me of uh, Adam Creighton, who played you know late '80s with the Blackhawks. Which was now he wasn't a bad player. He was a pretty good player. He was pretty serviceable, like you know. Third line, kind of third tweener between third line, second line, center. Just big guy, um, uses body pretty well. Um, I, which if you if you can get that out of out of both start, great because you've probably you know reached his potential on that. So that that's, it, it, I'm not saying you know any of that is bad at all. I think you know if you can get it if you can get that out of him, good. And he looks like he could maybe do something. We'll see. You know, we'll see what happens with him. Who did you think was the best big guy, Mario? Um, you know, I, I I liked what I liked what Bondra showed this year. Um, I think he he looked um it looked like he he was moving a lot better than he did last summer. Um, Definitely. last summer it, it kind of looked like he was you know even just a little bit lost because you know last summer last summer's prospect camp was a lot different than this year where they scrimmaged every day. And I remember watching Bondra in scrimmages and being like, you know, he it looks like he sometimes loses where he is on the ice and where, you know, where he should be to take advantage of, you know, his sizes, especially when, you know, his, when his team's coming in 
and they're not, and they have possession in the offensive zone and they're not on the rush like when if he would like spot up in front of net he would be you know a nuisance to take care to to work with but you know it seemed like he would kind of float around behind the net and you know not really spot up in a in a good scoring position but this year it looked like he you know he was moving better in the scrimmage he looked pretty good i think he's what he had two goals i think um so i think he he looked he looked pretty good um I'm in the same boat with you guys on Graham Knott. I don't know what to make of him because he, in in drills, he looks like a completely different player than when you put him in a in a scrimmage situation or a game situation. Um, you know what was Aaron? I think we were we were counting his faceoffs. He was like what one for eight, one for nine, I think, and losing losing some draws to like. Um, you know, William Pelletier, a guy who we, you know, outweighs and outsizes substantially. It was, it was frustrating watching him play in the scrimmage because all week I thought, you know, he was moving better. His shot looked better. You know, he was moving the puck. Well, it looked like he was, you know, from, from 2016 to summer of 2017 looked like a completely different player. And then you put him in the game situation and it's like, well, what was this whole week for? Cause it looked like he regressed. Um, I did like Starrett. Starrett looked um, looked like he was showing a, a lot. Um, another guy who you know has a, a larger body guy who who made a little bit of a name for himself on Friday. And when you go back, when at least when I go back and, and think about you know what I saw throughout the week, Monday through Thursday, um, was Jack Ramsey. You know he had he had two goals on on Friday in the scrimmage. Um, and I just look, you know, just go back and look how he, how he played, uh, you know, day to day going back from, from Monday to Thursday, it looked like, you know, I noticed him more and more in the different sessions throughout the week. So, um, you know, uh, he's a guy in Minnesota who hasn't put up big numbers, but you know, they, they play him in different roles. I think if, I think this year, the way he's developed, I think is, is a little impressive. So, um, if I, had to, if I had to say just strictly big guy, I'd go with Bondra, but um, I think they have they they don't have a lot, but what they have for 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 big sizable forwards, I think, um, you know, is, is is a decent crop in the in the you know prospect department at least. I know you liked Radke too. Yeah, I yeah Radke was another one that Monday through Friday Monday to Thursday looked better, um, you know, on on a daily basis. I I remember coming in Monday, you know, expecting him to play. Because this, is, I think this is either his third or his fourth prospect camp. I think it's his third. But um, yeah, yeah, third. So I mean, you know, he's he he'd been around, uh, you know, for a while. And Monday, I thought he looked okay. But then coming in Tuesday, Wednesday, I thought he he found another gear in camp, which was great to see. Um, and then by you know by by the scrimmage on Friday, it really seemed like he was uh, putting himself in the right places to, um you know, really make a, make an impact. And it reminded me a lot of, uh, of Andrew Shaw, you know, he's, he's a more of a high, high energy, high motor guy. Um, not, not really physically big, but plays, uh, plays bigger than his, than his billing. Um, which is, which is good to see. And, you know, a guy who can, uh, who can, you know, go into the corners and, um, you know, really be, uh, be hard to play against. So, um, I know, I know they signed him to a uh, to an AHL deal, uh, so he'll be he'll be another guy 
Um, you know, we were talking about earlier guys to, to look for in Rockford. I think Radke will be another guy in Rockford to, to keep an eye on and see how he develops over the next uh, next few seasons. Yeah, I uh, I agree with all those. The Jack Ramsey thing really surprised me. I hadn't even looked at, like, his stats because, I you know, he's like a seventh-round draft pick. It's like, okay, you know, nice nice guy to have around. But, he, yeah. you know, we started to notice him, and as I was writing my, my uh, write-up, I look at his stats and I and I had to text you guys and I'm like, do you realize he's only had one goal in his entire college career of <laughs> two years? Like that's unbelievable. He had more he had more goals in the scrimmage on Friday than he's had his entire college career. Yeah, which is crazy, but yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I mean, I was t- I was telling Aaron I think it was uh, either Wednesday or Thursday when when we really when we both kind of started to see, you know, hey, this, you know, this, this Ramsey kid's got a little bit of, you know, a little bit of bite to his game. Um, we, uh, you know, we, 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 I, I was telling him, I was like, you know, he's, he's at Minnesota, you know, it's a pretty prominent program, but they, uh, you know, they don't play him in, you know, high profile, you know, situations. They don't, you know, he's not a, a top six guy with Minnesota. So, you know, he, he's, he's kind of that, you know, good at, a multiple uh good at multiple facets of the game but not really great at anything um so it'll be interesting to see how he how he goes into his junior year and um how minnesota uses him but i'd like to see a little bit more of him yeah i i completely agree there's a bunch of universities in minnesota um there's st cloud state there's minnesota duluth which who went to the uh NCAA championship last year, and there's also obviously the Golden Gophers. Um, is it Golden Gophers or just Gophers? Minnesota. Um, yeah, it's Golden Gophers. I think. I think it's, yeah. yeah, it's go. It's Golden. Yeah. Um. So, but that's like the premier place to play hockey. Everyone who plays high school hockey in Minnesota, which is like the biggest high school hockey uh, state in the country, wants to be a Gopher. And the fact that Jack, Jack Ramsey has been there, um. It just—I think it just says a lot about him that he scored one goal, but he's still playing for the top university in Minnesota. There's got to be more that we're not seeing. Um, we can—we can only really just see him from afar as far as production. But if he's on that team, if he's being a leader, um, you don't really need to produce to to have an impact on that team. And I think he just does that in more ways than one. So I'm with you guys. I think that guy's a winner. He—he um, he showed that. He can get to the dirty areas. He can get to the front of the net. Um, you know, he just wants to stick his nose where it doesn't belong, and, and we need a lot more players like that. So Yeah, well, he's he, he's also got a pedigree, too. His father was on the uh, 1980 U.S. Uh, Olympic team, so mm-hmm. he's got that going for him as well. So I think, that, I, I think some of that factors in as well. Not everyone will agree with that, but... Um, you know, if you say your dad was on the the 1980 Olympic team and you you have any sort of uh, talent or something to back yourself up, I think you're gonna uh, you're gonna get yeah yourself... got a little bit to live up to yeah yeah but uh, I I think maybe they'll and and you know Powers and Hedger were saying too that you know he's only playing like fourth line at Minnesota so you know you're playing fourth line your chances are going to be limited anyway. So maybe you know maybe this year he you know starts seeing some second line minutes you know he's a big guy he's six three 
185, 190. He's a pretty decent sized guy. So maybe if they start throwing him out there with, you know, with some actual players that have some hands and can put the puck in the net, you might see more out of him. So, yeah, I did like Bondra. Uh, last year he was disappointing. Uh, the year before he actually had a really good camp and, uh, I was disappointed that he didn't do as well last year. Uh, so it's, it was nice to see him come back again this year. And, you know, the thing that the thing was kind of disappointing, too, with him was that uh, he kind of finished the year last year in the AHL, kind of a little tryout deal. And from everything that I've heard, that he was just looked completely over overmatched, not not size wise, but just the speed of the game was just way too fast for him. Um, so I hope that, you know. He's able to work on that a little bit and uh, maybe see maybe they could see a little something out of him because it would be nice to see a big, you know, 6'5", 225-pound guy like that be able to play some NHL stuff, you know, in, in the next two, three years. So, And that's the same size as uh, Bo Starr, too. He's 6'5", 225. So it's nice to see some decent-sized forwards other than, you know, uh, John Hayden in the system. Um, was who? I mean, who Hayden last year in the in the limited time that he played for Chicago was pretty impressive. But it seems like they're pretty set on him starting the year in Rockford. I well, I I thought all along that's where he was going to be. I didn't, you know, they, they gave him that. The, you know, at the end of the year, they kind of gave him gave him the little tryout to say, hey, you know, this is the, this is what the NHL is like. These are the players you could be playing with kind of thing. But uh, he kind of, you know, once once the shine kind of wore off of him a little bit, he kind of just turned into just a guy, you know, and there's there's no shame in, you know, letting him, letting him marinate in the AHL a little bit, you know, put him on the first line in the AHL, put him in all those top six, you know, situations because you're probably not going to see that in the NHL. No. I mean, the top six is pretty much set and you know the the best you could hope for is a third line third line role which you've got ryan hartman you've got you know maybe patrick sharp you've got maybe you know i i don't see him being able to be able to do anything more than like a fourth line spot in the nhl right now which i don't think is going to help him any you know no no i mean if you like you said if you put him in you know first or second line in, in the AHL and give him, you know, 18, 19 minutes a night. That probably does more for him than playing eight minutes a night at the NHL level in roles that, you know, maybe he's his not his game isn't uh, necessarily built for. So Yeah, put him on a line with Alex Debrinkit. Uh put yeah, him on a line with go. Alexander Fortin if he doesn't make the NHL club. Like you put him out there with guys who can actually make plays like you never know what you're going to get out of this guy. You know, he might be that big body. He might be that, you know, that pillar in front of the net that just, you know, he has pretty good hands and can tip a lot of, uh, you know, do an Artem Anisimov kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You put him in the right position with skilled players and, you know, can rack up a lot of points. So uh, that's, uh, that's actually a, one of the questions that we had from, uh, Look it up really quick. Uh, Corey Sander said expectations for Hayden this season. Cracks the opening or you know, does he crack open or the season with the Blackhawks or spend most of his time in Rockford? Could he, who could he mesh well with? 
So I think that kind of answers all of those questions. So thanks, Corey, for your question. Um, we weren't really, you know, kind of just going as, as they uh, show up here. Um, as far as, you know, I, I don't want to... I was not completely down on a lot of players in camp. I think a lot of players... I got to see a lot of good things from a lot of players. Unfortunately, they weren't the players that everyone was crowing about. But whatever. I mean, Dylan Sakura, excellent camp. Probably one of the, if not the best, one of the, you know, two, three best players in camp. Um, oh, yeah. Tim Soderlin from uh, from Sweden. We were all extremely impressed with Tim, Tim Soderlin. Smaller. Go ahead, Mario. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I'm 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 conducting the Tim Soderlund hype train. I, I think he's uh, uh, you know, he mentioned it at camp in uh in, in you know in one of the media scrums that you know he he looks up to a guy like Victor Arvidsson, a, a guy he used to play with, and you know it's weird to hear him say, but that he watched when he was younger, um, you know, because what Arvidsson's what twenty four, twenty three. <laughs> So, yeah. you know, he's not a old guy whatsoever, but I can see a little bit of, of, of a Victor Arvidsson in Tim Soderlund. He's, he's a smaller size guy, but he's very quick. Um, he's got great hands and just always wants to have the puck on his stick. So, um, I think he, he showed a lot in, in drills, um, Monday through Thursday that really, uh, impressed all of us really. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we all, I think we all kind of were, were taken away that, you know, his, his skill really, really shined throughout camp. Um, for me, through the scrimmage on Friday, it seemed like he kind of faded into the, you know, faded into the uh, the walls a little bit. You know, he did show one or two rushes where, you know, he he took it from, you know, his defensive zone, uh, you know, and brought it into his own end. But it didn't really seem like he had too many opportunities um, to really flash on Friday. But I mean, he's still 18. You know he's 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 not even gonna he's not even gonna be playing in North America yet. So um, I think as just just as a raw talent, I'm really excited to see how he develops over the next couple of years, and really would like to see him, you know, get an opportunity down the road if he continues to uh, to impress. I, I, but think, I really I loved what I saw from him at camp. Yeah, I think that you know even uh, maybe maybe next year he could be that that Fortin kind of guy who forces the Blackhawks to kind of think a little bit or that alternately like Forsling too, which basically, you know, force the Blackhawks to, to give him a longer look to kind of contemplate keeping him over and they may not do it and probably won't, but I would like, you know, I, I could see him being that kind of player that, that makes them have to think twice, which is mm-hmm. good. That's a good position to be in. So um, yeah, and I mean, he, I, I believe he got selected to the uh, Swedish like U18 like showcase camp or something this summer, right out of camp, right out of Blackhawks camp. So, um, you know, I think he's, I think his his skill is going to be showcased um, in different areas now. And I think if you know if he can, like I said, if he continues to develop, he's only, you know, he turn he'll he'll turn twenty in January. So, I mean, he's still a young guy. Yeah. So it's, there's, there's a lot ahead for him. And, and I, I hope that he can be, you know, uh, an Arvidsson esque type player, because 
that's a guy who killed Chicago, you know, in the playoffs this year. And if down the line they can have their own version of him, that that'd be great. Yeah, I've I've loved Arvidsson since the first time I saw him play with for, for the Preds. When literally when I saw him play, I was like, "Who is this guy? Where did he come from?" And I loved him, you know, two years ago. And, and this past year, he, he had a breakthrough season. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that would that would be nice to have something like that. And he was with a second round pick, yeah, second round, second or third round. But he was still, you know, early in the draft. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I he looked, he was very noticeable. <laughs> you know, especially early in the week. You know, like as far as the uh, uh, the scrimmage went, yeah, uh, I don't I don't know what they were. You know, they were doing some weird things. You know, like playing Robin Press at wing, which they're not going to do in Rockford. They were. Playing right. Graham not at center, which I don't think is a good idea. So they were doing that, some kind of weird things. Yeah, he that, probably kind of got lost in the shuffle. They pr- and they probably, honestly, they had. I'm sure they, you know, they had no intention of really keeping him over here. I don't, you know, he, he's going to play over in Sweden, so there's no reason to, you know, they they really didn't have to play him a whole lot because he's not going to. It's not going to make any difference anyway. They, I think they probably oh. saw what they needed to see and were happy with that. and They didn't need to throw them out there too much. Um, we, let's see. We, uh, I know, uh, Aaron, you were a big fan of Chad Chris, who's a defenseman from the, uh, he's in, he's at what, Boston now? BU? BU Terriers, yeah. Yeah, but he's from the U.S. Uh, developmental team. And he actually had a real disappointing year, like last year. His stats didn't look well, but uh, it was good to see him do, you know, being very noticeable out there as a, you know, uh, puck moving defenseman. The the cliche we talked about last time. But, uh, yeah, yeah, he was really impressive to me in the scrimmage during the week. He was, I don't know, I didn't know he was so offensive. Mario mentioned to me in the scrimmage that he thought he looked a lot like Eric Carlson, the way the style he plays. Um, he can skate the puck into the zone and, and free up a lot of forwards. Um, but it also, you have to play with somebody who is going to stay back and uh, and be a stay-at-home defenseman. But, yeah, he was uh, he, he was like a – he's perfect for the new NHL. He's a hybrid guy. Um, he's got an underrated wrist shot. He can score. He's got great passing. But it just seemed like every time in that scrimmage, the puck went behind the net. Chris would grab it. And he would make a, a solid pass. I, I felt like he just always hit the center. You know, that's what you want to do on your breakout is you retrieve the puck. You got four checkers all up in your grill. And he makes a nice, fluid, hard pass to the centerman. And then the centerman passes it up to the wing and they break out. And that's the reason why his team won. I think the score was, what, 6-2? to two. Um, Yeah. Their, their breakout was phenomenal. And it was a lot due to Chad, Chris and him getting out of the zone. Every, every time the puck went in their defensive zone, which was rare, um, it would get out quickly, flawlessly. And that's something the Blackhawks love. They love getting the puck out fast, really quick, uh, breakout. And I just felt like he dominated the game. Yeah. Some of the, some of the defensemen that, uh, I mean, no, not a lot of them really stood out much. I mean, there were a couple that had, you know, bits and, you know, there were little bits and pieces here and there. Um, but the the ones who actually, like you were saying, passed the best were, uh, I thought Henry Yokiharu was a really good passer. He played pretty well, considering he's, you know, just a recent draft pick. 
Uh, I thought he, he had some really nice passes. And, you know, he's still raw, but his passes are really good. He's, he seems like kind of a, a quarterback mentality kind of thing. And Chad Chris as well. Both of those guys. And then Ian Mitchell, of course. We were all, we were all fans of Ian Mitchell as well. Well, so. going back to Yoki Haru, um, I love the fact that he he gets the puck and the first, and a lot of scouts said this when he was playing in the uh, World Juniors tournament. He gets the puck and his his chin is up, his head is up. He's looking for a pass. He knows who's coming at him. He just makes really quick decisions. Um, you could tell he was he was a little nervous. He wasn't performing um, the way he wanted to, and I think there was a lot of pressure on him being a first round pick. But I didn't feel that pressure was really from the media or the Blackhawks fans. I feel like we all gave him a pass, but he put a lot of pressure on himself to perform. But one of his goals, he said um, in an interview with the Portland Winterhawks was he really wanted to work on his shot and his shot. He has like a little half slapper from, from the point and a wrist shot. And uh, he was practicing it after scrimmage and it, it flies off pretty fast for an 18 year old. So I was really impressed, but yeah, all the tools are there. He looks really good. Really excited about him in the next couple of years. Yeah. For sure. For sure. I, I completely agree with that. Uh, real quickly, there was a couple, like, um, I liked Matias from. Uh, he didn't really show much on Friday, but his speed uh, and size really kind of impressed me. Um, I, we're not going to see anything from him, you know, this year or maybe not, you know, maybe next year. But, um, he blew around a couple of defensemen like they were standing still. And he did it well more than once, which caught my eye because there were other players like Mr. DeBrinkett that um, didn't blow around everybody because his foot speed was not all that great. So um, mm. maybe we'll see something out of Matthias from uh, what I said was he kind of reminded me of a wing, winger version of Philip Deneau. That's kind of what uh, I saw him as. Um, but yeah, I liked him, uh, Ramsey, Chad, Chris, um, and then I'm going to get on my soapbox, <laughs> my boy, Colin D'Elia. Um, man, I'm tired of being right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we knew, we knew, you know, I knew Colin D'Elia was going to be in camp. I, you know, I had paid attention, paid attention to him. Um, his dad let me know that he was coming into camp. So I was kind of looking forward to seeing him and it's not often that you see, free agent goalies get invited to these camps two years in a row. Usually it's one year and out if they don't sign them or whatever. But, uh, you know, they brought into Lee again. Um, it was, this, this is following his junior year. He had a really good year. One best goalie in his conference and stuff like that. He actually came out and, uh, he played really, really well. He was very, he, he they have Tompkins signed, um, you know, he's going to probably be the tweener between the AHL and uh, the ECHL, which is fine. It's all good and well. Um, he's, you know, Tompkins is not a real flashy guy. He's just a big, he's a pretty decent sized goalie. Doesn't do anything like extremely flashy, but good positionally. And he's been in Blackhawks camp, you know, several years. So, um, you know, he knows the system and all that stuff. So, but I th- actually thought Delia played better than. Uh, and it's not just because I like the guy or, you know, whatever. Um, I thought he actually really played better overall, showed more flash than um, than Tompkins did. Uh, he had a really good glove. He moves real smooth. There's not a lot of panic in his game. Uh, 
he just was very calm, cool, calm, and collected, and um, made several real nice glove saves and drills and stuff. Uh, only gave up one goal in the scrimmage, and that was a backdoor goal on the power play. So you really didn't have much of a choice, you know, really didn't have much help on that one. Uh, just, I think, um, I really think he deserves a shot somewhere. Even if the Blackhawks think that they have too many goalies in the system or whatever the case is, I think uh, someone somewhere, based on his performance, should give him a shot. Um, if, you know, he wants to be pro or if he wants to go back and play a senior season, I don't know exactly what his intention is, but, uh, you know, if he wants to go pro, I think someone needs to give this guy a, a shot because he had one of the better camps of all the camps that I've seen as far as goalies go, uh, at least from Blackhawks' perspective. Um, most goalies don't really stand out a whole lot, and uh, he really did. He really played well. So yeah, I, that's my guy. <laughs> I'm all about, you know, deal for deals. So give him a deal. I, I hope the Blackhawks do do something for him. Um, we shall see. We shall see. But, you know. Damn, I'm good! Can you feel that? Huh? Can you feel it? <laughs> I pulled those just for that, for Mr. D'Elia. So hopefully we'll we'll see something. Uh, <laughs> thanks, uh, Aaron, for tweeting out that. I like that. Um, but yeah, yeah, Cal- he had he had a couple of really nice saves. He was definitely the most poised. And I mentioned to you this when he was doing drills when those guys first got on the ice, they were doing four corners, just sliding from cone to cone. And Dalia was just so much more fluid than a guy like Peters or Tompkins or. I forgot the guy's name, Kaiser. Yeah, um, Kaiser and Levine, he just, yeah. He just looked like he knew what he was doing. And he, he stood in. Um, guys were standing in his crease, and he was um, doing a really good job trying to you know see angles around them. And he just looked like a vet, and uh, it was clear who who was the most experienced on the ice. Yeah. I Yeah, I totally agree. Um, he's... I don't know. I mean, I, I analyzed them all, all the goalies the best I could. I tried. I watched them in their drills. I analyzed like their stances and you know how they hold their glove, where they seem to be uh, the most vulnerable. Uh, Peters is the biggest of all the goalies that were there, and he definitely has a lot of potential. He's six five, damn near two two hundred twenty pounds, and he's only like eighteen years old. So, no need to rush the guy. It seems like everything that I've read that, you know, they want him to be the goalie of the future, which is great. That's that's all fine and well. Um, I, I have nothing against that. But, um, you know, he his first day out there, he was definitely nervous. Uh, he was oversliding a lot. And then, you know, in chaotic situations, he was just flailing all over the place. It was nothing smooth about the way he was playing. Also, I noticed that he was, you know, he was really weak high. He was keep holding, you know, when he, when he was down, he was holding his glo- glove really low, which for a big guy, you'd think if you hold your glove up high, you're going to cover more net. He was uh, definitely lazy as far as that went. But I, I, he's not a bad player at all. Uh, plenty of, you know, he's going he's gonna to play in the USHL. The Blackhawks can watch him develop. And, you know, even if he's not, you know, ready for NHL until he's 23, 24, that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. Develop him slow. Uh, you know, make sure you get, you know, make sure he works on the 
the the skills you want him to work on and uh you know it, that's that's good because they did they don't re- they didn't really have a whole lot of other you know develop or a, a lot of uh you know black ho- or uh goalie depth in the in the uh, organization so they've got young depth now and we'll we'll see um we'll see what happens i the other guys you know Levine and Kaiser they just you know they, they kind of really blended in a little bit there was nothing really extremely special Kaiser um he he was pretty quick um but uh i don't know he could be he could be beat high and and he's young. He looked extremely young. And Hayden Levine had a really rough scrimmage. He gave up like four goals in the third period. So um, that's you know as far as goalie talk goes, that's what the goalies looked like. Um, I I completely forgot. Uh, I was so into my um, my review of the camp that I forgot to. I, I actually wanted to put together a piece on Ian Mitchell or at least a little blurb on Ian Mitchell. And I completely forgot about it. So I wish I would have done that, but uh, he's another guy who's uh, he was very poised as far as defensemen go. <laughs> he was calm and, and, and made, made some nice passes as well. So he also made some not so nice passes, but well, yeah, you're, you're going to see some of that. Yeah. But, he was just over aggressive, but he was calling for the puck. Um, he was playing a lot with Blake Hillman, who's his teammate at Denver. Um, but yeah, like I thought he looked great. What do you think, Mario? Yeah, I mean, I I, I liked what I saw from Ian Mitchell. Um, like you said, when he was paired with Hillman, I think he he played a little bit better, just probably by familiarity. But um, you know, I, I I thought he he definitely stood out. Um, in a, in a defenseman group that seemed like it was pretty much, um, you know, dominated by, uh, by guys like, uh, like Chris and, and Yoki Haru. Um, I think Mitchell, I'd, I'd slot him in was as probably like the, the second or third, I'm sorry, the third or the fourth, uh, defensive prospect that really stood out throughout the week. Um, I think he looked, he looked smooth in, in, in his skating and, um, I mean, yeah, it's, he's, a, he's a young guy. He's not gonna, you know, he's not gonna be perfect, but um, I think he, I think he looks, he looks decent for for where he's at in his development. Um, I, I, I definitely liked what I, what I saw out of, out of Mitchell. And as the week went on, I started, you know, noticing him a little bit more, and um, you know, put him in the, in, the, in the scrimmage situation on Friday, and I think he was playing. Uh, I, I forget what side he was on, red or white, but I think he was the one of the part of the top pairing D on whatever side he was on. Because um, I think it might have been, and I'm not. I'd have to go back and look at it because I know I tweeted out the top pairs, but um, I think it was Mitchell and Yoki Haru was the top pair on one side, and then Chris and I think Gilbert I think was the top pair on the other, something like that. But um, yeah, I, I, I definitely, uh, uh, you know, it seemed seemed promising what I saw out of him uh, throughout the week. I thought he had a better camp than Yogi Haru, actually. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I would definitely agree with that. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, hey, that's our one and two picks, so they better have good camps, right? Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. What did you guys think of Snuggerud and Robin Press? Because those were two of my favorites. Well, Press is, he's, you know, one of the most experienced guys out there. Um, I, you know, I, the, even the past couple of years, uh, when I've seen like Norell and Press and, and Dahlstrom, they usually come, come to camp all together and they all know each other. Um, I've, you know, they're Swedish defensemen. They're, they're solid. Like you don't really see a whole, I mean, the, the, the biggest, uh, problem I had with any of them was that Dahlstrom was kind of slow cause, but he's a big dude. Um, press was kind of in the middle as far as size goes. And then Norell was a little bit smaller, but all of them, they're, they're solid, responsible Swedish defensemen. I mean, I, I don't think the Blackhawks can have enough of them in their system. So, um, I think he can, he can help out. I, I hope he gets some more time in, in Rockford. Uh, but, um, as far as like Snuggerud goes, I don't know. I mean, I expected to see more out of him, but I didn't hate him. Just kind of, I didn't see a ton out of him. That's all. I think it was, I think it was most telling that they didn't even play him in the scrimmage on Friday. And from what I saw, it was just because they, the Blackhawks already know what they have with him. So they didn't, I, they didn't need to see, you know, what kind of development he's made over, you know, over the week or anything like that, see what he can do in a five on you know, in a five on five like you know, scrimmage situation. It, it could have been they already. Yeah, it could have been that, or he could have been injured. Who knows? You know, uh, yeah, any of that stuff. Yeah. But you know, again, you're right. You're you're right. I I don't disagree yeah. with you. But I mean, what, the 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 small sample that I saw saw of him in Rockford last year towards the end of the season. Um, and from at least from what I saw in camp, I, I, I thought he looked totally serviceable at, at the AHL level. I think he'll he'll probably step in to Rockford next year and be maybe in their top two pairing, um, definitely top four. Um, but I, I, I liked what I saw. Um, I, I, I was more in the camp of, you know, if, if they're keeping him out of the scrimmage because they're totally fine with what they've seen out of him, I, I had no issues with that because from what I had saw, it seemed like he was, you know, on the development path that you would hope for him. So I, 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 I think he's got a good future ahead of him. I, yeah, I can't disagree with that. I mean, like I said, he, he, he was just, he was there for me, but that doesn't mean that there was anything wrong with that. I mean, right, right. Sometimes, sometimes if you don't notice a defenseman, sometimes that's a good thing. So, um. well, I'll I'll give you an instance where not noticing defenseman I think is a bad thing. It literally took me until the uh, until there was four minutes left of the third period of the scrimmage to even realize that Darren Radish was out there. <laughs> I, I knew you were going to say. I, that. I agree. I completely. I turned, to, I turned to Aaron and I said, "Oh my God, Darren Radish is playing." Like I, I complete. He was so invisible on, in the scrimmage. It was, it was mind-boggling. He was pretty and, much invisible the entire week. Yeah, throughout the camp, I, I kept waiting for him to be like, okay, flip a switch. You're, you know, you're supposed to be this, you know, world beater out of the OHL. But you know, even, even you, uh, Gate, you brought it up throughout the week. 
you know, he's a 20 year old playing against a bunch of 17 year olds. You should be, you know, the world beater in that league. Yeah. And I, you know, you, you mentioned Matthias Froome earlier. He, I'm sure he went, he might be the guy that you were talking yep. about. He yep. just went right around Radish in a couple, uh, uh, in a couple of the drills. And I really was not, impressed with yeah. what I saw from Dan Radish throughout the week. Yeah, he tried to um, take the body on on From and From just skirted right by him like he was standing basically he was standing still. Radish looked yeah. like a fool. I want to reference an article that I read in June by uh, a writer I like from the Hockey News, Ryan Kennedy. On June 1st, it's it was titled Teams Lining Up to Sign Erie Defenseman Darren Radish. And it goes up to talk about his OHL um year last year with uh to Brinkad and how a lot of teams really want to sign him i don't know i'm with mario i mean we didn't really see too much of him um i think it was tuesday was my first day and i saw him i was like oh there's darren radish and then the next time i thought of him was when mario pointed it out on friday yeah. so through four days go by and you don't really notice anything i i don't know i I expected a lot more, but that's another guy on the Erie Otters who had a monster season who were kind of just still waiting to do something. So I don't, I don't know in what platform or stage or scenario that they need to, to show us something. Maybe it's nerves, maybe it's a different type of game. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what to say about him. It's kind of just a, a meh. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, he'll have to catch up. He'll have to catch up to the pro game in Rockford uh, real quickly because he he really looked like you know for a 21 year old he was way behind the rest of the you know teenagers yeah, well, that were in camp. So yeah, don't 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 underestimate the fact that he might end up in Indy because that could happen. Oh oh yeah yeah for sure because there's there's a decent amount of defensemen you know ones that are already experienced. And then you got you know the the, the three Swedes, and uh, you know right there that could fill the team in and of itself right there. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. yeah, there was another the, one more defenseman that I kind of like, but he's kind of under the radar and he doesn't really show a whole lot as far as like flashiness. Was uh, Yanni Tulola, the Finnish defenseman? Yeah, uh, he's yeah. got really decent size, like six three, six four. He's not like overly like uh, heavy, but. He moves pretty well. He's got decent feet, and he seems to be, you know, like a, like kind of an under the radar kind of guy, who you know could slide in as like a defensive kind of guy. And I'm not gonna, and I'm not gonna say he could be at this level, but you know, more like a, you know, like a Jomerson kind of guy, you know, like a like a second, like a second pair, maybe fourth defenseman kind of guy, where you don't really notice him a whole lot in the stats, but the you know the other things that they do on the ice maybe, um, you know, would you know, make them valuable kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, well, we've I, got, sorry, go ahead, Mario. I was just going to say, now that you mention it, yeah, he did, he did seem like he had a, a pretty good camp and wasn't one of the like, you know, big guys that at least I was paying a lot of attention to. But when I did take a look at him, he, you know, didn't look bad at all. So yeah, yeah I mean, he's another guy to, to keep an eye on. Yeah. It's uh Aaron, you got any other guys you want to yeah. mention? Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, um, while the indie thing is fresh, uh, we met one of the new assistant coaches, John Beersheen, 
um, when we were down there. I actually talked to him on my way out. I think it was Wednesday. And uh, I saw him sitting there in the stands, and he had a, an Indy Fuel jacket on. He was kind of in the stands by himself. And I was going to talk to him, but he seemed like he was um, really watching the players. So I saw him on my way out, and I kind of asked him if he had any guys in the camp. And he was saying, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm new to the Indy Fuel, but I'm trying to get to know the, some of the players and scout a little bit. But apparently Beersheen is um, – he's from he's, – I think he's my age. He's like 28 or 29, young guy. He's from uh, Alabama, and he pretty much built up the Alabama Crimson Tide hockey team. And he got a good reputation there, and I, I guess he knows some people in the organization and got an assistant coaching job with the Fuel. So best of luck to him. Um, hopefully he can develop some players and, and work his way up through the coaching system and, and stay with the Hawks. But, uh, yeah, just remember that name, John Beershin, really nice guy, and, and hopefully he can um, you know, help develop some of these younger players. Yeah. Uh, Indy is important, actually, because, you know, some of these guys who are on the cusp uh, can go down there and get more playing time. Like we the same thing we said about the AHL, you know, some of these players need top six, need some top six minutes. And uh, some of them may need top six minutes at, you know, the ECHL, which is not always a bad thing. So it's going to be important for developing some of these young players, especially with how young the organization is right now. Uh, any other players that we missed that you can think of? Can I say uh, a disappointment? Whatever. I wanted a lot more from Dennis Gilbert. Is that how you guys felt? The guy plays for Notre Dame, 6'2 defenseman, 200 pounds. The guy should be a bruiser like Steven Johns, and he was getting burned. Um, I don't want to say anything bad. I don't know if he had a bad camp. I I didn't really like his game uh, when, when I saw him at the Frozen Four. He got blown out by Denver. I don't know if that's a combination of a team effort or not, but... I don't know. I, I just thought that he was a higher ranked defenseman in the system and I know I know prospect camp is a small sample size. I know everyone's gonna get on us about that about that. Just because they had a bad prospect camp doesn't mean they're a bad player, but I really expected more physicality out of him. Um, and I just didn't really see it. I was just a little disappointed with him. My only note on him was big, not the greatest skater. <laughs> that was all that's all I really noticed of him all week. Yeah, I I would have liked to see a little bit more out of him too. Um, I think the most notable thing he did all week was uh, get slashed in the face. Um, yeah. But <laughs> but other than that, That's up. well, I mean, that was he was the only guy that I saw all week that had to leave camp because of anything that happened to him. And I saw it on social media. He took a nice took a nice slash right into the uh, right to the chin. So right in the chops. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, other than that, I, th- I think he looked okay. You know, he looked like a guy that you know still is gonna have to develop in the next two years of his uh, of his college career, and you know, see where what what he can do from there. Because I believe he's going into his junior year. So, um, I yeah, I'm on, I'm in the same boat. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more out of him, but I wouldn't I wouldn't put him in the uh, into the uh, you know I was super super disappointed. Uh, with him, I mean, it's weird. The, really, the only two guys I would say I was really super disappointed with were the two higher-profile guys out of Erie with Radish and Debrinket. I mean, yeah. Other than that, I feel like everyone played, you know, 
at the level that I would have expected or maybe a little bit above it. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I don't think there was a guy that really, like, stood out that was, like, you know, far and away the, the, the best player in camp. But then there was really no one that, you know, on the opposite end of that was like, boy, were they just a pile of hot garbage. No, I, I um, agree with you on that. The the closest yeah. that I think they came that we came to that was Dylan Sakura. Oh yeah, as yeah. one of the top guys. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. for sure. Yeah. I mean, he his hands, his speed, uh, the move that that Aaron so nicely caught for us on on video. It caught for the whole hockey world to see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was amazing. And you know, he didn't he didn't score on it, but. That you know, that wasn't for lack of effort. I mean, that was a great play. And the other play where he uh, he beat two defensemen, he split them, yeah. and then mm-hmm. and shot did a, score you know, on a that nasty one. slapper. Yeah, yeah, he was he was on. Uh, he looked good all week, and then he showed it in the uh, scrimmage too. So he's look he he's impress he was impressive, but he wasn't dominant, but he was very impressive. Hey, I just noticed Darren Radish again as I'm watching. Uh... Sakura's highlight here, <laughs> getting blown around. Minus one goes goes right around him. Uh, you know what? the The funny thing that I noticed, and I and at first I didn't even notice this. Is, and uh, the only reason I bring this guy up is because they wrote an article about him, and I don't think he deserved it. it was Vinnie Praplin? Um, they yeah. wrote an article about how he was hope. You know, you know, are the Blackhawks going to offer him a, a deal? I don't think he played that well. He scored a goal in the. In the uh, scored a nice little goal in the, in the in the scrimmage, but other than that, he didn't really stand out at all. And yeah, if you watch the goal, who does he steal the puck away from? Debrinket. Yep, Debrinket's uh, hot dog in it. Debrinket is hot dog in it. Kind of just lazy, lazily, you know, high in his zone, kind of just hanging out there. Praplin lifts the stick, steals the puck, goes back the other way, and scores. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's right there tells you that you can't do that. You can't let that happen in prospect camp. You're, you're showcasing yourself in front of the entire organization and you're Joe Quenville, Stan Bowman, and everything like that, and you get lazy you know, in the offensive zone and get the puck stolen away from you, and then it goes back the other way and ends up in your own net. Like, that's not mm-hmm. nice. That's not a good – that's not good. But Yep, I, rem- I remember watching that and thinking – that that was, and and you know Friday was a better day for Debrinket because when you put him into a scrimmage situation, he, you know, in a game situation, he plays better because his his vision and where to be on the ice, um, is is better than his you know what he's going to do in a one on one situation. But that play really cemented it that you know at this camp, <laughs> I and this you know this might be you know jumping a little bit off the off the pier or whatever but i think that play really solidified that this camp was kind of a wash for to bring it that you know it'll it'll have to be training camp or we'll you know we'll see what he does in rockford oh, no i don't think that's going over overboard at all i think that's completely correct i mean he was i you know i i like jay and and, and james but when they when they proclaim this the camp of to I almost fucking fell out of my car because, <laughs> you know, I had listened to this after 
you know, camp had already started. I was like, actually listening to this, like going to the third day of camp. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you got to be kidding me. I'm like, I would have, you know, I would have laughed at that beforehand because he's just, you know, he's done nothing to show me that he was ready for all this hype and, and, and which is great. That's fine. It's okay. You know, Tevu had a lot of, you know, he had to work over in Europe and stuff like that. And, and right. if Debrinkin has to do the same thing, that's fine too. But to say, you know, because he, he slayed a bunch of kids in the OHL, now he's going to come out here and he's going to, you know, slay everyone and show how much better he is than everyone else. He did none of that. None of it. He played okay in the scrimmage, and okay is it is about the best he did all week. It was okay. Um, other than that, he really didn't stand out for this, you know, top prospect that... That one person proclaimed he's going to score 53 points in his rookie season. No. There's no way that guy is scoring 53 points this year in the NHL. It's not happening. And everybody kept making excuses for him, too. It's like, oh, well, (laughs) he needs to be put out there in five-on-five. Oh, well, you know, he got beat out by Luke Snugger in a one-on-one. Well, that's not his game. This isn't his game. Well, what is his game? I I can't agree with you more. That's exactly and, and you what, know what I said. All all the beat reporters changed their tune pretty fast, didn't they? After yeah. prospect camp, and then like, all of a sudden oh, Tracy Myers I is can't. saying, "Pump the brakes," yeah, which yeah, is the okay. same shit I've been saying forever. Pump the brakes on this kid. Just let him let him develop. You know, have a plan for him to develop. Don't just say you're going to throw him out there on the NHL ice, and all of a sudden he's going to score fifty points, like. Yeah, or I think whatever. they all saw that, and they all changed their tune relatively quickly. But yeah, yeah. I completely agree. The the excuses made me fucking mental with with all that. Well, you know, you you know, okay, fine, one on one drills. Okay, I get it. But they had two on two drills. They had three on two drills. They had two on one drills. They had four on four drills. Four on three drills. They had all kinds of drills. You know, it wasn't just you know focusing on individuals it wasn't all just focusing on individuals you know two-on-one drills he should be able to fucking dominate in that yeah yeah well i mean you look at his you look at his highlight reel from this last season and with erie and half the goals he's scoring are you know odd man rushes yeah so that's i mean that's his game three on twos two on ones that's fine four on threes whatever he didn't and any of them, he didn't really do anything. Well, actually, they say his game is uh, most of his goals come scoring in the slot and around the net. And did you guys see him around the net kind of waiting for tap-ins? Because I didn't. No. No. No, and the one time where they're like, well, he kind of hangs out on the perimeter and he finds that soft spot. The one time he did that, he had the puck stolen away from him and Vinny Praplin went back the other way and scored. That's exactly where he was at. He was high in the slot, trying to look for that soft spot, quote unquote. Like, how much evidence do you need to just say, oh, well, maybe one more year? That's all you got to say. Yeah. No one's got to say and, he's going to be a bust. And people were saying, well, he slipped out of the first round because he doesn't have uh, breakaway speed. He, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Not at all. He can barely beat uh, Luke Snuggerud to a puck. And that just blows my mind. It's like, if you're going to be a forward in the top six for the Chicago Blackhawks, you better be hauling ass. Especially if you're five, seven, you gotta, you gotta make up for the lack of size at the NHL level 
with with something and if it's you know if you don't have it with speed i mean you either you either don't have it with speed or you're gonna have to outwork everybody you know down in the corners and around the net and he doesn't have that aspect of his game at least from from what i've seen from him he's not a you know go into the corners and you know throw what weight he has around no like that's that's not him yeah yeah they you know the word on the street is that you know he's tough and he's not afraid but he's not going to go in there and throw his body around like that you're entirely right about that yeah he's he's not like you know andrew shaw or uh you know uh panique or whatever throw or Mm. or hartman like he's not going to do that like he may be strong you know he may be able to drive harder than that or he may not be afraid of it but um he didn't drive to the net like Tim Soderland did. That's for fucking sure. Tim Soderland, oh, yeah. he's only 5'9". He's about the he's smaller than Patrick Kane. Same height, a little bit less, you know, in the in the but that fucker <laughs> he went hard to the net. He could have his he, the fucking helmet twisted around on his head and be looking out of the back of his helmet, but he was going hard to the net. He was not afraid. Yeah, that guy was not afraid. That was one of the things that really made him stand out was that like you know, you saw these these smaller forwards that the Blackhawks had in their in their camp, like you know, Debrinket and Soderlund and you know Anthony Lewis, um, and it was really only Soderlund that really showed that he would you know he would go in and you know he he wasn't playing down to oh you know I'm I'm a smaller guy I'm you know I'm gonna let that limit what my game is gonna be he was out there and didn't show like you know any any kind of fear any kind of hesitation which. You know, I, I really enjoyed seeing, you know, especially when, you know, the uh, Brinkett wasn't living up to, you know, different standards that, you know, maybe maybe I had overlooked for him. But, you know, it was it was it was it was good to see Soderlund do that. It was it was a little deflating to see the Brinkett not really, you know, stand out. Um, but, yeah, I think, yeah, he'll he'll, he'll have to. He'll have to learn at the AHO level, if anything, because you know I I, I asked uh, for a little bit of clarification tonight. I asked uh, Scott Powers when I was talking with him. I said, you know, does Debrinket go back to juniors or is he clear to go to Rockford? And he said, if his uh, since his birth since his since he'll turn twenty before the calendar year ends, he'll be able to go to Rockford right away. Because I was a little confused about that. I don't know if if you guys didn't have any had any questions or. We're yeah, clear on it either. Well, there was a but, story about Fortin last year. The same way, like Fortin's birthday was later, like was after the calendar year, or was I think he's like January birthday or something like that. Yeah. So that's why he had to go back. But, yeah. Yeah. So I was I was confused about that because I was like, well, wait, he's you know, because I always thought it was just you know you had to be twenty before you could play in the AHL if you were signed out of the Canadian league, but I guess it's, you know, depending on when your birthday is. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that's good clarification, but there, but yeah. I mean, there were smaller players in camp who didn't necessarily have a bad camp. I mean, the mm-hmm. Will Peltier, he's five, eight, 160 pounds, which is, you know, just, he's about the same size as the brink yet. Maybe just a little bit bigger. He, he, was okay. He had quick feet. Moved mm-hmm. on the puck well. You know, protected the puck well for his size. Even uh, Anthony Lewis, who's smaller than Debrinket, um, was okay. He wasn't great. I'm not a huge Anthony Lewis fan, but he wasn't terrible 
and by any mm-hmm. stretch of the imagination. Uh, there, there were definitely smaller players there that, you know, were okay. But I don't know. <laughs> Just so all what that are we? Hype. What are we not seeing here? Let, let's go back timeline. Um, I remember wondering why Alex Dabrinkat didn't make Team USA Juniors. Um, they won gold last year. Um, and I don't understand how they don't take a guy who scores 100 points in the OHL and put him on the team. Well, I did a little research. Apparently, there was like some sort of regional game, and he got pissed off, and he speared a kid right in the chest. Um, and that was – they said that wasn't one of the reasons, but I think that was – they thought he had you know, anger management issues or – you know. He was making bad decisions, bottom line. So he misses out on winning gold. Then he doesn't do well in the Memorial Cup, and they don't win that after a really good season. He doesn't win that. Gets the prospect camp is a disappointment. Um, and before that, he slips from the first round to the second round. So what are we not seeing in Alex Debrinkat that everybody else sees um, that or people what? are taking a pass on him? Or Well, I mean – I think that we're all seeing what he, what he is. He's not the fastest guy. He, you know, he's a shooter, but I mean, even his shot is not the greatest shot. He's, he's okay. He can go off pretty quick. Um, and he's, you know, he's fairly accurate with it, but not, doesn't have the hardest shot. He's not Artemi Panarin. Um, you know, he's not going to, I don't, I don't know that he's going to get off a one timer from the top of the circle like Panarin used to do. Uh, he really didn't do anything extraordinary. He just seemed like a guy who had a really good junior season, but didn't do any one thing all that impressively. I think the one clarification that everyone needs to make is this guy probably plays better being a dog. He's an underdog. He's five, seven. He's a short dude, but the guy can play hockey. So let him be a dog. Let him start in the AHL. Let him earn it. And I think the problem was that everybody had these crazy expectations for this guy who performed so well, who played with Connor McDavid and Dylan Strom and all these guys who did really well. Yeah, the guy's talented. He can put the puck in the net. He can finish. These are all qualities that we want. But we need to make sure that we're not making him the next Patrick Kane before he is. I think he needs to have that underdog mentality, that chip on his shoulder of, all right, I need to get in here. Um, I need to prove myself instead of making people happy and playing from that side. And and I even brought this up too when we were when we were eating. I showed you a stat line from someone. I'm like, who do you think this is? Who had a better season than what DeBrinket had this last season? Dave fucking Bolin. I mean, sure, yeah, he was a great third line center for the Blackhawks. Didn't didn't you know? good defensive center, you know, didn't score a ton of goals, never made it to really be a second line center, but he was a fucking world beater. He had like 160 points in the, in the OHL. It happens all the time where people, you know, score a lot of points in the OHL and maybe DeBrinket won't score, you know, 30 goals and 60 or 70 points in the NHL. It happens. It ha- it's happened to a yeah. lot of players. And that's yeah. not necessarily meaning he's, you know, a huge bust either. There's plenty of first round draft picks that the and I named a bunch at the beginning. There's plenty of fucking first round draft picks that the Blackhawks have missed on 
And, you know, if let's say he scores 20, 25 goals at some point in the you know NHL and he has, you know, 45 points or something like that, that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. For, for a guy who actually was uh, basically a low or a high second round pick. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think a lot of, I think a lot of people, um, a lot of Blackhawks fans throughout this post 2015, you know, two first round exits, um, kind of mentality of, and, and Stan Bowman coming out and saying, Oh, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of change coming around. We're going to, you know, invest a lot in in their youth and their development. And they see a guy who, you know, basically fell into their lap. That turns out to be, you know, okay. Well, he's putting up these monster numbers in the OHL. You know, they really had, you know, Chicago really hasn't had a guy of that like. Look at this monster prospect since you know Table Teravinen, who even in his own right, wasn't, you know, thought of as like a super monster prospect. He came out and showed that he, you know, he had a lot of, uh, a lot of game to him, but you wow. know, I think a lot of people um, expect to bring it to be able to like come in and, you know, put up a 30 goal season within the next two years or something like that. And, um, you know, Aaron, to, to, to your point that you made um, about, you know, being cut from the from Team USA and um, you know looking at it, a lot of high end scouts for Team USA. You know, I just just as you were mentioning that, I, I wanted to go back and try and see, um, you know, what was written about that. A lot of high end scouts were quoted saying, you know, they weren't impressed with what they had seen in the summer of, uh, you know, in that in that that 2016 summer from him as, as he was, you know, looking to, to continue with team USA. And, you know, it, maybe it's a, I I don't want to, you know, throw something out there that doesn't have a lot, that doesn't have any backing to it, but maybe it's a mentality thing. You know, maybe he's, maybe he's been propped up so much uh, in the last couple of years that in his head, he thinks he could just step on the ice and be the best, best guy out there. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to say, oh, he's dogging it, but you know, maybe it, it, maybe it's a mentality thing that he's got to, you know, maybe want it a little bit more and not just feel like things are going to be come to him easy just because you know he he put up 120 points in 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 the O last year. I think the bigger question is, can he complement the core? So can he be plugged into the second line and play with Anisimov and Kane? Can he be plugged into playing with Jonathan Taze? Because if you can't do that, if that's not your game, if that's not the type of player that you are, it's not going to work. Um, and it's not going to be good for his career, and he's probably going to spend a lot of time in the minors. But do you guys think that this is a guy that can be plugged in um, and be productive? I mean, I don't think it's that hard to do it with Patrick Kane, but some guys have a problem playing with Patrick Kane and keeping up with him and getting him the puck. And um, Artem Anisimov was a guy who gave him the puck when he needed it and called for the puck when he was open and finished. And Artem Anisimov is the same way. He he gets Kane the puck and gets the F out of the way. And he sits in front of the net, he parks it up front, and he just you know cleans up the trash. So is Dabrinkat a guy – I don't care how much skill you have. You could be Alex Ovechkin – um, and still not gel with Patrick Kane. Do you guys think that he's that type of player? Maybe he is. I don't know. 
I, I honestly don't know. I would I'm I need to see him play against men. Like in training camp, like really play against men. Like he's been playing against kids. I need to see, you know, a six five fucking two hundred twenty five pound defenseman. I want to see how he handles himself with these guys. And until then, I can't really tell you because I haven't seen him do it. You know, I, I've seen him not shine in front of prospects who mostly aren't ready for the NHL. So every time I hear someone make that comment of playing against grown men, I constantly think of like, okay, what would you do if he was about to get blown up by a guy like Kyle Clifford every time? It's just like, yeah, that's the I mean, hockey player guy I mean, that I, he's the measuring stick. In, it's in like, all right, Kyle Clifford's coming in. Yeah. In, in the OHL, you've got defensemen out there who are going to be fucking washing cars and playing men's league next year. And you know, that, that that's going to be the pinnacle of their their hockey career is the OHL. And, you know, you're going, you're jumping basically two levels past the, or three levels past the ECHL, past the AHL into the NHL against defensemen who, you know, are six, five, weigh 225 pounds and are going to skate just as fast as he is. Some of them, maybe even faster and going to catch you with your head down. They will see with your head down, you know, you can't get caught with your head down or you're going to get your head knocked off. Like this have is guys, a whole have you guys different seen the level. Video, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Have you seen the video of Dustin Bufflin hitting Tyson Berry? Yeah. It's like an earthquake. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if that was Alex to break at? I mean, he would just be part of, part of the ice at that point. Just look now. Vinny Hinnestro's escapes better than Alex to break period. He just does. He's faster than Alex to break at this yeah. point in his career. Look at how uh, Hinnestroza got his fucking head knocked off last year. I don't, I don't remember who it was against, but he got his fucking head knocked off last year. Almost got killed, and yeah, he, he missed a couple games because he had a he had a concussion because of it, or a, at least a game. And um, you know, it's a, it's going to be the same thing. Like you, he's going to have to watch his. He's going to have to make sure his head's up, and you know, he's not the fastest guy, so it's not like he's going to be able to outrun people. He doesn't have the quickest feet. So how is he going to get himself out of danger? That's what worries me. That really worries me is with this kid is that he can't get himself out of. How is he going to get himself out of danger? Just hiding in a soft spot. There's a lot less soft spots in the NHL than there are in the OHL. A lot. And you have to be pretty fucking crafty or pretty strong on your skates to be able to, you know, squirt by people and you see these smaller players who are excellent skaters who have been really good in the NHL smaller people Tyler Ennis is a really quick player uh Jeff Skinner uh you know Martin St. Louis all these guys are pretty goddamn fast players Zuccarillo you don't don't see a lot of slow small players in the NHL or slower that don't have quick feet that's where that's where the things don't match up and if he needs to work on his speed fine do it in the AHL Mm-hmm. That's fine. He's twenty was, years old. There's nothing wrong with that. It was Josh Morrissey that uh, that blew up Penistrosa. Yeah, there you go against Winnipeg. Yeah, almost fucking killed him. And, and teams yeah. don't don't have problems taking liberties against the Hawks, and there's generally not that much of a response. There might be a crowd, but you're not going to see uh, 
Artem Anisimov throw his gloves down because Alex Dabrinkat got blown up. You yeah. just don't really see that retaliation from and this type of team. Do you think anyone is afraid of Jordan Tutu? <laughs> they're not. Not, at, not, not really. No, they're not. not. Point, no, no one is. No one is afraid of Jordan Tutu. Yeah, so they're going to have to deal with a fight that he may or may not be able to even keep his because he's so small that he may be able to keep his ass in. No one's afraid of Jordan Tutu. I don't, I don't care what anyone says. They're not afraid of him. Just like they weren't afraid of Daniel Carcello because they were hitting people right in front of him. And they're, the only person that anyone's ever been afraid of was John Scott, if you could, if you could catch him. Other than that, they weren't afraid of Brandon Bolig. They weren't afraid of fucking Daniel Carcello. None of them. No one was afraid Who is of that? Who's that guy on this team this year? Is it Tutu? But Tutu's not really going to be. He's going to play 30 games a year. Ooh, maybe, I mean, maybe Lance Boma. I Tommy don't know. Wingles? No, not Tommy Wingles. Wingles is going to kick your ass, sure. though. No. It, yeah, it might be. It might be Boma. I don't even think he's. But, but he's another guy. He's another guy too. I don't even think he's going to be playing all that much. Well, again, on, 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 on most teams, there aren't a whole lot of guys you're afraid of. There's a few. Bufflin, maybe. Yeah. Okay. You may. You may want to keep your head up when when Bufflin's around, because he's a big fucking dude. But if you go throughout the entire league, are there a lot of guys you're that you think players are probably really afraid of? Not really. No. Yeah. I mean that that's that that type of player is starting to die out. Yeah, for sure. Maybe not afraid of, but look at what Minnesota had last year. I mean, Zach Parise goes down, and immediately Chris Stewart um, gets out of the penalty box and just destroys some dude. He's like, you know what? You touch one of our captains, and uh, this is what's going to happen. And We don't have that on the Hawks. I wish we did. I'm sure you guys have different feelings on that. But, you know, when Jonathan Taves got blown up by Brooks Warpick and the Hawks were standing around like nothing happened, I got pissed off. That makes me pissed. I don't know. It's like that's that's been part of the game. I know it's changing. I know people don't want it to be like that, but – you have it's a strong, fast game with heavy guys, and hitting is part of the game. And if you, you know, break Patrick Kane's collarbone, uh, and you take him out of the game, and nothing happens, you're probably going to try to do it again. So, I don't know. It, with a uh, with an Alex DeBrincat on the team at five seven, and uh, he gets blown up into the boards, and people feel fine doing that. Okay. I mean, that's kind of just how we set ourselves up. And I mean, it'll happen. You, you, look, you look at it, Chicago was third to last in fighting majors last year in the league. So they don't have, I mean, the roster as, as it was last year and pretty much as it is going into this year, they don't have people that are going to, you know, drop the gloves and, and make people pay for, for laying hits. You got to rely that you're, your players aren't going to put themselves into positions to you know, take those kind of hits. Well, the reason I think the reason why they have moved from that is because they've been a possession team and they've been a really fast skating team. And it's like, okay, we're, we're playing hockey. We're, we're going to bring it into your zone and you can play defense. But with a slower team with much less reliability on defense, we're not going to have the puck that much this year. And we have to come to that reality that, we may be forechecking a lot more than we think. I don't think we're going to have the puck more than 50% of the time. I think it's going to be about 50-50. And when you don't have the puck and they're chipping it in deep in our zone, you're going to see a lot more hits. And that defense mm-hmm. is going to have a lot more pressure on them. And uh, 
things are going to get ugly. But when you have the puck and you control the game, you control the style, you don't need Jordan 2-2. You have the puck and they're chasing you. You don't need those types of guys, right? But we don't have the luxury of having that lightning-fast team anymore because teams like Nashville are taking the puck away from us and pounding us into the boards. Well, just like, for instance, you said, is is the Brinkett that guy that they think can play that second line? Say say the second line chips the puck and who's going to get it? Fuck if I know. It's not going to be to brink it. Uh, Kane, I mean, Kane doesn't chip it in. Kane, Kane won't go get it. No, Nismov's not fast enough. Exactly, and won't get it. Either. Exactly, exactly. But now on the now on the first line, you got Sad. Sad's going to go. Sad'll go. He'll oh, go yeah. deep. And, pa- and panic pa- too. Panic will too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're not going to see Tate Jonathan Hayes going in there, but the other two guys will. will, will you know, <laughs> panic will to a fault go in there and throw his body around. Which I, you know, I don't care. I I like Dick Panic, but. I, well, that's I a think, great point. Gabe, yeah. that's a great point. The secret's out. You you clog the neutral zone on the Blackhawks, you're going to beat them. For sure. Oh, I yeah. Mean, that's, ex- that's exactly what Nashville did. I mean, uh, yeah. So so how do you change that going forward? You're going to have to chip it in. If you don't have the players to go get it, I mean, I don't is know, it I don't Patrick know Sharp? Patrick, is Patrick Sharp going to do is is you know, with his bad hip and, and, and concussions, is he going to be the guy going to deep to dig the puck out probably not no you got to look at guys like hayden and hartman hartman uh, tanner tanner kiro yeah. some of the tommy wingles like those are the guys who really need to get their hands dirty i mean that you really have to get those um offensive zone draws for those guys and that's gonna come at a price for sure yeah yeah well the sure. problem the problem is they only have one guy that can uh win a win draw freaking face off yeah on the team. that's true they that was them. another thing i wanted to bring up too you can't have you can't have Taze taking you know eighty percent of the faceoffs all season. Did you see that stat about Artem and Isimov? He was the worst person in the league. He, he really? Was, well, not not as not like overall, but what they did is they, they had a stat of you know when you lose a faceoff, the most shots given up. Oh, he was the worst in the league. Well, yeah, I mean, if you don't win a faceoff, and then you have Panarin and Kane trying to you know get the puck back, they're not really the most defensively gifted forwards for sure yeah so but yeah i mean he's he's got to be better schmaltz if they're going to play him at a third line center is is has got to figure it out from the dot because you know his his sample size last year was was not good tanner carroll uh i think he was around 45 percent. i think it might have been that's not great you know it's you can't rely on you can't have Taze taking every defensive draw no. because you're limiting one one he only can play so many minutes a night and two you're limiting you know what he what him and that line you know that top line is going to be able to do if you're you know relying on them to you know be defensively uh, efficient like they can do it but you're wasting them yeah. Yeah, People was, don't see this as as an important um, quality to their game, but guys like Michael Froelich, guys like oh, Marcus Kruger, Joel Quinville loves because I love him too. <laughs> you can get they get the puck deep, they go get it. Dennis Rasmussen was a guy who did this. Yeah, and mm-hmm. if you notice about Froelich and Kruger, is that yeah they might be open, they get the puck, you know they get it deep, they can cycle. You know our fourth lines have been really good at cycling. And then they shoot in in the goalie's chest, and they get off the ice, and Patrick Kane comes on the ice. That is a job. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, you don't need to score goals. You need to chip it in, and you need to get possession. It's a chess game. You, you need to shoot it into the goalie's chest, freeze the play, get fresh top six guys on the ice, and give yourself a scoring chance. And guys like Marcus Kruger didn't get enough credit for that. That's why he got paid three million dollars a year. I know it's a lot, but when you do the dirty work, when you take defensive zone draws on PKs. You do all that stuff that no one really sees. It's worth a lot of money. And Patrick Kane should have been buying Marcus Kruger a damn Segway every year. It's just like he was his offensive lineman because he gives him opportunities. And no one sees that. I Yeah, I completely agree. I, I was a huge Pro League fan. Love that guy. He's uh, the best at skating down the right board, dumping it off the side, and kind of jumping around. Um, a lot of what you see in the playoffs is where the dump and chase game where you just kind of jump around the guy after you dump it in and you go get it. And it's just, I don't know who's going to do that right now, but someone needs to get their hands dirty. Yeah. Well, let's, we also don't, uh, we don't know what we're going to get out of Laurent, Laurent Dauphin either. Uh, he, yeah. You know, um, he's a, a left-handed center. He's decent size, six two, like 180, 185. I mean, he was 44% with, you know, the 40 games that he played last year with the Coyotes, but you know, that not, you can't necessarily take that, you know, you got to take that with a grain of salt. You know, that team was horrible, terrible. So, you know, no one was doing much of anything with that team and he was probably playing like fourth line, which is really playing with the bums. So, um, he may be a, a, you know, a guy, you know, that can take some of, you know, what Kruger used to do because, Rasmussen might have been that guy, and he's gone. So, yeah, I I really thought that Rasmussen was going to be, you know, an integral integral part of that, you know, bottom six penalty killing, you know, core of this of of the Blackhawks moving mm-hmm. forward. And I was I was very surprised that you know he, uh, you know, was 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 unhappy with the contract that that was given to him and the Blackhawks didn't try and make something, uh, you know, work out to, for, for, for both sides to keep him in town. Cause I really felt like he had, you know, a lot of importance or brought a lot of importance to the team. Well, I was, I think I was talking with Aaron about this at, at lunch, but I really still think, and this doesn't get brought up enough that, that he was still holding a grudge from the previous year when, you know, he was told he was going to come over here and be given an honest chance. And his first year, he was just stuck in Rockford. He wasn't even given yeah. like, even a remote chance with the NHL club. And, you know, they, they signed him to a lower deal, a, a lower number deal to come back because he was a restricted free agent. I believe, you know, they had they had him, you know, kind of over a barrel um, mm. because no one's going to sign him to, a, a you know, an offer sheet. And, you know, they've, they've got his rights. So they, he kind of. He kind of got screwed by the Blackhawks, and then he came. He came out the next year and kind of proved that he's, you know, can be a decent, you know, bottom six NHL player. And uh, I think the, I, I kind of think he was still holding a grudge and, and basically said, "Fuck you guys, you know, you screwed me yeah. over the first year, and I came out here and showed you guys what I can do, and I've shown everyone what I can do. I'm just gonna go elsewhere and make more, you know, and and get a better shot somewhere else." So I, I really. I think they had a lot to do with it. Yeah. And, and, and with Dauphin, I mean, I, I talked with a couple people from, you know, the, the Arizona blogosphere, but from what I, from what I've been able to gather is that he's, 
he's a, he's a fast guy. He uses uses his speed um, as like the, the the biggest part of his game right now, and um, you know plays in a in a bottom six penalty killing kind of situation. So, I mean, if he can if he can be a fast guy that uh, you know can can be a you know fourth fourth or third or fourth center option. Um, I think he's just, I think he's what, 22. Yeah. He's 22. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's, he's got a, he's still got a lot ahead of him. So if he can, you know, if he can develop a little bit and, um, maybe, you know, maybe gets a, a, a top, top six position in Rockford and then, you know, impresses enough to, to make the jump to the, uh, to the Blackhawks this season. I think he'll, I think he'll be, you know, kind of a, a sneaky pickup in the, in the Jalmerson trade. Yeah, no. From 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 everything that that uh, that our boy Double J was saying, that the Blackhawks have always been really high on him. They actually wanted yeah. to draft him in his draft year. Um, they, you know, in the first round they 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 picked Ryan Hartman that year, and then Dauphin went like ten picks after him, oh, okay. like high in the second round, and then they, then they picked Carl Dahlstrom later that round. So. Apparently they've always been really high on him. And they've really liked him. I don't know. You know, I don't know that that really means anything, but um, you know, they they seen something in him. So mm-hmm. I guess we're we're gonna find out this year just what Lauren Dauphin is. So yeah, I mean he was. I mean he was a a, a point producer in in the AHL. So you know, we'll 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 see what he can do. Oh, and by the way, um, that same year they picked up John Hayden in the third round. The, the Hawks did. And it's yeah. they picked Tyler Mott, uh Robin Norrell. Who else? That was all twenty that was all twenty thirteen? Yep. Fourteen. Thirteen. Thirteen? Okay. Yeah. Twenty thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. Thirteen. So yeah. they they picked up a lot of players who actually have, you know some yeah, other later. So Luke Johnson. That thirteen draft is is Hartman, Dolph, Carl Dahlstrom, yep. Hayden, Norrell, Tyler Mott, who they then traded, Luke Johnson, Anthony Lewis, and Robin Press. Yeah, that's not a bad draft. No, that's one of their better drafts for sure. Yeah, there's one draft around there where it was just atrocious. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They've had a couple really bad ones. They've gotten better as they as you know Stan Bowman's kind of figured himself out uh but early early I think the year before Ooh. 2012 gate yeah mm-hmm. tavo gone dylan fournier retired chris calnan he was at camp garrett ross no, gone travis Ro- travis brown gone Vinny, we know what we have in him brandon whitney gone matt tompkins we know what we have in him yeah and brandon whitney was the guy who was supposed to be the best the best goalie of the the bunch yeah <laughs> so i i talked about him last time all right. Well, I think we're we're almost at three hours, so I think uh, we should finish up these questions and then we get the hell out of here so I can get some sleep. Uh, we talked about Ryan's question. Um, the the other thing was uh, once hosts on LTIR, what would you trade for? I don't know. I mean, we don't know what's gonna. We don't know what teams are gonna look like. We don't know who's gonna make the rosters. We don't know who's gonna be expendable yet. So uh, it's kind of really hard at this point to really answer that question. But I mean, what are you going to trade too? I mean, yeah, true. yeah, that's true. 
what prospects do we have that we can afford to give away? And that echoes that win now window again. So, yeah, I don't think they really blow it up to try. I guess you have to see. I mean, halfway through the season at the trade deadline, it's like, okay, if we're having a really good season, maybe. But out of those prospects, I don't know. I I can't see them uh, doing that again. I I think they've gotten burned more often than they've uh, come out on top with getting rid of, uh, you know, trading, trading prospects for pieces and kind of going for broke for cup runs. So I think, I think the team will be a little bit more cautious with tossing around prospects. So, you know, if they got, if they got space still available, once the, uh, you know, trade deadline comes around, you know, you'll see what what injuries or what what players you know either perform at a high level or underperform, and see what you can what you can do. But I think it's 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 too early to tell what what they could do with you know whatever space they'll they'll end up making. I think they ditch it. I think they uh, they find a, a dance partner for Hostel's contract and and bail on it. I mean, look what. Uh, the Red Wings did with Datsuk. All they did was swap first round picks and they bailed on that. I know Hosa's how many more years? Four years, but just but get rid there, of, just get rid of it. But is there a team that has that kind of space to to really mess with that? I mean if you if you figure in if you figure in going up to the start of the season, are there really gonna be because you you know it, Arizona was that that cap dump team. But they, they can't do that anymore. Yeah, you know, I just I just don't know if there's really going to be a team that'll re- really step up and take that kind of that contract on without being like, okay, well, you know, we'll need a, like like the deal that they kind of swung with Vegas. Like, well, okay, we'll need a little bit of good faith to, you know. Well, right now, take, I'm looking. I'm looking right now as far as cap space goes like as things currently sit right now uh new jersey arizona carolina all have like over 15 million in cap space edmonton as well i don't know how they even pulled that off but they'd have minnesota nashville uh the bruins the blue jackets mm-hmm. avalanche sabers but i mean that's all that's all without that's all without full full rosters yet though well some some yes, some no. Um, Hurricanes have 21 players on their roster. Hurricane, or Coyotes have 20. I mean, that's $19 yeah. million dollars with 20 people on their roster. I don't think you're right, going to eat right. up, you know. Uh, New Jersey Devils, with only 15 people on their roster, have 19 and a half. They have the most uh, cap space. So, I think if you're Arizona, or not Arizona, I think if you're Colorado – and I don't think they're smart enough to do this. You do take on that contract, and you you uh, take the Hawks to the cleaners with prospects, and you get Matt Duchesne the hell off this team, um, and that clears six million right there. And you get Landis Gogoff and find somebody to dance with Tyson Berry. God awful Tyson Berry. Um, Avalanche aren't anywhere near a playoff spot. Uh, they they have good forward a foot good forward group, but their defensive group stinks. Um, Varlamov's been injury prone. He's a six million dollar cap hit. So if you look at the Avs, they have like between Duchesne, Landeskog, 
and uh, Tyson Berry and Varlamov, that's like $24 million that they can definitely just dump if they're smart. Um, so that's a team that can but really take some good prospects off our hands. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think, know. I think you'd, you'd, you'd be hard pressed to convince me that Chicago would, or that uh, a Duchesne for Hosa and prospects oh, swap no, no, would no, be. No. Uh, oh, no, that's not what I'm saying. No, no. No, okay, you'd get okay. nothing I was, back. I, I was gonna say that's that seems fantasy land to me. No, no, you dump Matthew Shane to uh, I don't know. Even a rumor was Nashville for a first round pick and their top defensive prospect, and you get six million dollar cap it off the books. That's what I was talking about. And then um, you make some sort of deal with Chicago, but no, Duchesne's uh, not coming to Chicago. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> no. You're not going to get anything out of the Hosa deal except for cap space. So, I'm trying to look here. Everyone pretty much is at the cap floor. Yeah, everyone, as far as right now, everyone's at, at the cap floor. So, no one needs to get to the cap floor, but uh, the, the Devils are just barely over. But they The still... question is, who's going to go? If If someone is interested in taking the contract, which is... Is it four years, guys? Yeah. Yeah. Four years until 20, the end of 2021. That's and it's a five million dollar cap hit, and you're only paying Hosa a million dollars, which is good. That's that's great. That's advantageous for whoever is going to take on the contract. Who's who's going to be the person going along with Hosa? Well, and I don't know. Based, based on the Bickle deal, the Sharp deal, um, it's going to be a top prospect. I think you got to do it, though. I don't think you can have this LTIR game every year. I, I think you bite the bullet and get him off the books. Yeah, because he's that. That's part of the next question too. Was is Hosa done for good? You know, yes. Could he re- could he return? No. Uh, yeah, it's it's he's done. He's done. Uh, you know, any any anyone within the organization that knows anything, Zawaski, Jekyll, anyone. There's been no indication that there will, there's even a chance he will come back. He's done. Not at not at one million dollars a year salary. Not a chance. He's done. So yeah, that some someone said he was going to come back for the playoffs. They were hoping for that. No fat chance. No, it's not no. happening. No, he's not going to sit all year and then play in the playoffs. That's ridiculous. A guy just, who's uh, like just in, do a Brett Favre in his late thirties going to just show up in the playoffs and decide he's going to start playing. That's chemo teaming and fucking. You know, that, that, that's what that's what you get when you get a, a guy in his later 30s who just decides to start playing yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah, but he's got three rings. He doesn't need anything. He doesn't have anything left to prove. The guy's going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, no, he yeah. doesn't. He's, he's, no, there's 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 no way he comes back. Um, the next question was from Riley. What is it, Riley? Tr, I don't know, whatever. Um, is the possibility of the Fortin plays, and I'm assuming he means the, they mean NHL. Um, yeah, there's always the possibility. I mean, but I'm thinking it's probably going to do, you know, probably going to start in the AHL, but, um, you know, if he, if he has a killer camp, you never know. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. It comes down to what, tra- what he shows in training camp. He comes out and skates circles around everybody. I mean, give him a shot, but if you ask me, it, he's got a better, as it stands right now, I mean, probably, probably, probably more likely he'll be in. In Rockford for most of the season, I think uh, of uh, most of the players 
um, that don't have any NHL experience that could break the roster. I think maybe Fortin is the one that has the best chance, maybe. Yeah. Um, other than Vili Polka, which is a whole other story altogether. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, it's, 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 and right now it's fifty fifty. You just gotta see how he comes out with that, that extra weight and how he's recovered from the injury. We won't know until we see him actually on the ice. So I'm gonna say yes conditionally. The coolest thing about fourteen is okay, they asked him, he was a, a free agent, and they asked him to go to Michigan to do that rookie tournament. Mm-hmm. Did great. Did training camp, did great. They said, Okay, you're the last guy to get caught. You really made us think about this. Go put on some weight. Go work on your defensive game in uh, the Quebec Major Junior League, and uh, and then we'll talk. But we really liked what we saw. What does he do? He puts on weight and works on his defensive game. So if he comes to camp and does everything that the Hawks told him to do, this guy has to have a spot. Quinville already likes him. He's doing everything he's told. I love his outlook this year. Yeah. For sure. Can't ar- I can't argue with that. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, he he. It would be a great feel good story. The free the free agent guy from prospect camp, you know, making the NHL roster eventually, and he almost did last year. He came, he came he came close. So, Who does yeah. that? I mean, he wasn't even drafted. No one does. It's that. Unbel- unbelievable. No one does that unless they come from Europe, which he didn't. So. Um, the next question from Morosaurus, who is I, that's the guy that I was telling you about that made the video about the uh, Chinese knockoff jerseys and oh, how nice. you can tell them apart. Uh, he asked, uh, does Brett Seabrook commit more turnovers or clog more toilets on average per season? <laughs> oh. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Brent Seabrook fan, and I think he gets a bum rap a lot. And he gets stick, stuck with bums often. So, um, I'm going to say he has a better year. What do you think, Mario? I, I mean, obviously, I want him to have a better year. Um, I think if you commit to having him and Keith be uh, be defensive pairs uh, together this year, um, and don't flip them around. Have them with Kempney, have them with Forsling, have them with Murphy, and you know, playing with seven different guys. Um, I think you 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 set them up to have a better year. Um, you set them up with a guy that like Keith that you know he's been with before. He's been with you know his entire career essentially. Um, I want I want him to have a better year. I don't want to have to continuously have the conversation of okay, well, how do we trade Seabrook and his huge contract? It might just I'd rather say, well, hey, Brent Seabrook's a part of this team till you know whatever you know whenever his contract ends in 2055 or whenever it is, but or uh, when the compliance buyout happens at the next lockout. Right. Exactly. So so yeah, I you know. I want him to have a better year. I think if you keep him with Seabrook all year, it's, you know, or um, with Keith, rather, um, you know, maybe that hides a little bit of his deficiency. But, you know, if that's what you got to do to not have him have just a, a terrible defensive year, you know, go for it. Do it. You know, Connor, Keith, Keith will play with whoever he needs to play with. I mean, you, you don't want to have to continuously rotate defensive pairings, but yeah. you know, you put them with, put them with Seabrook. They've been together forever. 
you know, go with that. Connor Murphy, see see what he can do in a, in a second pairing position, and you know the 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 bottom four defenders are going to be a, a circus this year. But hopefully Murphy can be be stable. Hopefully Michael Kempney can have a, a regular role and you know be a stable guy, and then see what you got. Yeah, you got Forsling. You got maybe Gustafson. Uh, I'm I'm really interested to see what uh, what Jan Ruta turns out to be because if he's because if he's another Michael Kempney where you know analytically statistically however you want to view it you know he's better when he's on the ice than when he's in the press box then but they only use him as a you know seventh eighth option then then what are they doing with these guys I'm you know, blaming they, they, br- for they that. bring him over from Europe and. You don't give him a you, you you don't give him a fair shot. He's not a twenty year old prospect. He's in his mid twenties. He's played professionally, you know, at another part in the year uh, of of the world. See what he's got. I blame Kitchen for that, and I'm 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 optimistic. Maybe it's you know me just looking for some kind of uh, you know light at the end of the tunnel, but I'm optimistic that, you know, uh, Ulf Samuelson's going to be, you know, better with the defenseman than Mike fucking Kitchen was because Kitchen was, I, I didn't like him at all. I never liked him. So I'm, I'm kind of yeah. hoping that he's going to help develop the defenseman a little better. I'm going to take this a step further. One thing I've noticed about the Blackhawks fans and the United Center is that for, for this generation of players, if we've been down in a game, the fans are positive. We encourage, um, you know, the cheering is great. Um, and you, you can really never count the Hawks out. That's just been the history of this team the last few years. Now that we're so thin on defense, I mean, we took Nicholas Jalmerson for granted. We took a lot of the other guys who've been in and out of our defensive core for granted. Now that we maybe have a Connor Murphy and some of these other guys, if mistakes start to be made, will we start to see that oh shit mentality creep back into the United Center? Oh, for sure. <laughs> because that's just Our, the nature of the fan base. Because you can feel that. You know, it's it's almost like a, a Cubs mentality where it's like, we have the lead, there's five minutes left, it's like, oh no, here we go, Connor Murphy's got the puck. Do you think that that could, you know, slide back in? And is that something that... Uh, oh yeah, it, it'll happen. <laughs> It, it will definitely happen. And and I fully expect them to start off slow as well. So there's going to be some panicking going on in the first quarter of the season. I have well, let me look at, look at how last year started. Yeah. You know, there's, there's gotta be a, a curve a little bit to having so many new players into the lineup and, you know, seeing how they gel together. Yeah. Hopefully, it, hopefully it's not, you know, 40% on the penalty kill bad, but that was brutal. Know. Um, all right, let me, uh, I want to get the rest of this rolling so we can get it. Cause we're at the three hour mark. Um, what is the line of succession behind Seabrook for the captain and alternate captain patches? Since everyone wanted to roast me about Schmaltz yesterday. Yeah. I'm looking at the <laughs> roster. If, um, the next guy in line is Patrick Kane. Sorry, but it is. Why not Brandon Sutton? Brandon Saad would be right behind him for me. Um, but Nick Schmaltz has not earned anything as far as respect goes from this team yet, just because they 
he's not a leader on that team. Uh, you know, those those are two guys right there, right off the bat that that would get would get it. I got killed for saying Sharpie. You guys both disagree. No, they're not going to give it back to Sharp. No, they don't. I mean, in a, maybe not in a, initially, but if if uh, Seabrook takes a day off, does he wear does he wear the A? No, Kane does. Kane, yeah. Kane. I think if if you're in an injury situation, um, and God forbid, you know, either Taze or Kane or Keith go down for a, a, a extended period of time, but I think only in an inter- injury situation where you know one of those guys is involved does Patrick Sharp get get a a letter back. Yeah. yeah, it would be Kane first and then you may like you may see Sharp get it it's just a temporary thing. Mm-hmm. But uh I, do, I just don't like the article of oh well he's only on a one year deal and Seabrook's on a seven year deal. Who cares? If the guy is a a great leader in the locker room and he can help young guys for a year, who cares if he's got the A for a year? They're not gonna Why take it away matter? from Seabrook though. The whole reason, the whole it's a, it's a team vote thing, and I think the that main reason they Duncan, keep Seabrook around is because they said that he he is one of the most vocal leaders in the locker room. They're not going to take it I, away from him. They would take I it away from that. Keith before they would take it away from Seabrook. I get that. My my thinking was just that hey, Patrick Sharp's back on the team. He's a former no. assistant captain. Maybe Seabrook or Keith lends it to him. But I got jumped all over for that. But no, I don't. I, they're not going to make a change. I don't think they're going to go backwards like that. Okay. That never goes I, well. I, yeah, I think I think the the alternate uh, captain letters. I, I, I think if if Patrick Sharp was coming back as a former captain, then it would be it would it would make a little bit more. You know, you'd have a little bit more to it. But the the alternate captain, I think you know you can not that you do, but you could toss those around a little bit more. They do around the league; those get tossed around a little bit more than than what the Blackhawks do. But I mean, yeah, outside of Keith Seabrook, I think your, your next in line is Kane. And, um, you know, I, I did a piece a while back about Ryan Hartman, you know, maybe I remember that one, maybe he might be, you know, down the road, um, you know, in line for, uh, uh, for a leadership role. I mean, I, I he's, he's had it before and, uh, in, in juniors and in, and in Rockford, he was, he was seen that way. You know, they they tout him as a local guy, even you know, even though he wasn't really born here, but um, grew up here. And I just think it's it's a good story, and he's that kind of guy that I feel like uh, a lot of people could, um, you know, fans could rally around in the community, and you know, without being in the locker room personally, I feel like he's he's got that kind of game where, you know, um, he'll yeah. go in there, he'll, he'll very workmanlike, and um, I don't know how vocal he is, but he seems like he's got the parameters to. Uh, maybe take up a, a role down the line. Nick Schmaltz is yeah. one of the last people that I would, I've heard nothing good about the way Nick Schmaltz acted last year, the way he caused thing. He caused problems in the locker room. And when he was down in Rockford, he didn't want to participate. He wouldn't sign autographs. He was just a pouty little bitch. And you're saying that, Schmaltz was yes. Oh, okay. And uh, that is not what you want to be wearing a letter on your team is a guy who no, was acting no. like that. Maybe in a couple of years, he might grow up and act differently. But as he acted by the end of last year, you know, he, he I guess he got a little better, uh, you know, when they brought him back up. But he just completely pouted and, compl- and, and bitched and 
the entire time he was down in, in, in Rockford. Wanted nothing to do with anyone. Wouldn't sign autographs. He There was issues in the locker room, I was told, um, that, you know, the the coaching staff the staff there what wanted nothing to do with him because he was he was nasty to them too like that's not what you get from having a letter on your you know that's not nice. the kind of person you give that to so Mario remember that uh, Ryan Hartman is an RFA after this year they'll resign yep. they'll resign so I don't yeah. know if they can afford it and if I'm another team. I offer sheet the shit out of him as much as everyone says that they don't do that anymore. They don't to hell with that. Even well, even if I'm, a, I'm a team like Minnesota or St. Louis. I just do it to stick it to the Hawks. Well, think about it. You have Roosevelt, Tutu, Wingles, Sharp, and Boma, all UFAs next summer. Do any of them come back? No. Long term? I, I, I don't think so. You got to find a way to replace them, but I don't think that that I think that that kind of space keeps things open for a guy like Hartman. Yeah, but if Ryan Hartman scores twenty goals again, he's going to ask for three, four million dollars. I mean, look at Victor Arvidsson's deal; he only got four million, and, and he scored thirty. And also, right. think about Marion Hosa not being on the roster either, mm-hmm. which clears if up another he, five million. If he's million traded, dollars. that then you make some room. But so we'll see. I, they'll, I mean, they'll find a way to afford Ryan Hartman. There's no way that John McDonough lets the hometown boy leave again like he did with, you know, Darling. They they draft all these hometown guys and bring these hometown guys in for the story and everything like that. If the, mm-hmm. you know, if they don't have to pay him six million dollars, if they can get him at three or four, they're gonna do it. They're gonna find a Plus, way. Plus I I don't I don't think this defensive group stays like this. I think they bring another um, top four guy in, and that's going to cost him too. Maybe, maybe, maybe Kentney becomes that guy. Maybe Ruda becomes that guy. Maybe Forsling becomes that guy. We don't know. You know, a year down the road, if if someone that's currently there, you know, I, I'm not extremely optimistic that that's going to happen, but it could. So, uh, that's going to have to, you know, kind of lay itself out. Um, Jason Price, first line goon, asks, is Forsberg basically penciled in as the backup? Is that a good option? Yes, he's, I guess, penciled in as a backup. Um, Who else? It's about as good an option as you're going to get right now. What I would caution you is don't sleep on J.F. Berube. He's a pretty good goalie. He was a high prospect in the King system. He got kind of screwed around being with the Islanders. But, um... Jeff Berube is not a bad goalie, and if the you know Forsberg thing is just meh, and Berube has a nice camp, you know, be careful. I mean, I, I you know, it would take a lot, but he's he's better than Jeff Glass, and uh, he's better than the options they had last year. So, mm-hmm. Gabe, do you trust Anton Forsberg and whoever's behind him uh, to play thirty games this year? Um, Forsberg, not necessarily because I don't know. You know, he, he doesn't have a lot of NHL experience, so I don't know yet. He's only played like one NHL game. Berube, maybe. Um, he was thought of as a much higher prospect. Uh, he's got more NHL experience, maybe 30 games. I don't know what you're going to get out of him. Uh, Jeff Glass, no. Um, <clears throat> I don't. <laughs> 
I I feel like I feel like between Berube and Forsberg, they could split thirty games. Yeah. Just just depends on who's you know, who's got the hot hand out of out of the AHL and who's you know who's playing well in in a in a backup role behind Crawford. Yeah, you just got to be careful I mean, about the waiver thing because. You know, Berube, right. is, he's going to have to go through waivers if you send him down, so he could be claimed. Yeah. Which, you you claim Berube, then then things get sketchy again. So. I think the Hawks actually benefited from last year with the World Cup, so many back-to-backs, because they were able to put Scott Darling in the lineup. I think now, next year, there's way more games that are spaced apart. I think you're going to see Crawford take a ton more of the workload like next year. If he doesn't get hurt again. He's That's true. Gotten hurt the last like three four years. So, yeah, I mean, if, if I mean he he plays better when he's got a higher workload, but it's just if like you said, injuries. If his you know if his body can can stay with it, because you know he's not a not a spring chicken anymore. No, not at all. Um, Papa Bear Fighter says, "Is Jonathan Snow Taze really a Targaryen?" I don't know. That's a is that a is that a I Game guess, of Thrones? I guess reference? it's a Game of Thrones reference. I am not a Game uh, of Thrones fan, so I have no idea. Yeah, How <laughs> no you, idea. Jon Snow can be whoever he wants. He died and came back to life, so whatever. Oh, really? Yeah, I called. I I got I got roasted for calling uh, Game of Thrones um, medieval Harry Potter. So <laughs> 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 yeah. It was it was more of a joke than anything, but yeah, yeah. I'm just not a fan not, of that. Whatever. Not 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 something I got into. No, me. Jonathan Taze is uh, king of the central, not king of the north. There you go. I'm glad we have someone on here who understands this. Otherwise, Ex- expert to, analysis. Yeah, we, king I, of the north. I'm gonna have to go grab my fiance and have her explain it because she's a Game of Thrones fan. Winter uh, is coming. And his second question was, okay, fine meaning that's not a serious question, but where does Sakura fit if he hopefully signs once the NCAA season's over? All signs point to he is going to sign. He just wanted to go back to college. He had something he had, some kind of unfinished business there. Fine, good. Um, you know, he, he could be like the Fortin kind of guy, maybe. You know, the... the uh, you know, the tweener between AHL and NHL kind of guy, but it just depends on if there's a spot for him. You don't want to bury him in, you know, fourth line because that does no good. You ready for this? Oh, yeah. Read between the lines. Does Dylan Sakura have a spot in the top six? Yes or no? When? Next year? In the near future. He's he's going to be done with college at the end of this year. Uh, he's a top six type player, yeah. Does, does he have fit now in the next two years when he should be ready to play? He'll be like 23. Mm, maybe maybe i'm not playing third line it's not not third line it depends on what happens with fortin and and the the golden child the brinkat too so here's what i'm asking would you trade a pick in dylan sakura to get marion host's contract off the books no (laughs) no no, not sakura i think a lot of people are going to be asking for him I'd rather trade honestly, and I know I'm gonna. I know I'm gonna get shit for this. I'd rather tra- at this point in time. I'd rather trade to Brinkett than Sakura. Wow. I've seen more. I've seen more out of Sakura wow. as far as raw talent goes than I have out of the Brinkett. I if, Mario? If, right now. I think if you could <laughs> if you could sell high on the Brinkett and uh, 
Sell high and secure. What are you talking about? I think the Brink. I, I think there's. A yeah, bigger... I was just going to say there's way more you can get back from Debrinket at this point in time than you could for Sakura. And I think if if Debrinket plays a year in the AHL and is just eh, his stock drops, and then what do you do? All right, change the situation. Sakura wins the Hobie Baker. Then yeah. what do you do? I'm still trading Debrinket over Sakura. <laughs> at this point in time, I like Sakura better than Debrinket. I just like yeah. more what I've seen out of him. I've, he's does more with less and, and I don't have to hear this. Well, uh, he, he, you know, excuse this excuse, a excuse, B excuse, C excuse, D he's got a big, he, he's got a more of an NHL build. He's, you know, I, I, you know, I'm not saying you have to trade to it, but if, if I had to choose between the two, I'm trading to bring it. <laughs> he's got, he's got this, you know, allure around him that he scored all these goals and blah, 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 blah. Fine. Okay. Have him if, if we need to. That's, that's my, that's my hot take right there. <laughs> you, you wanted hot takes. That's my hot take. Yeah. I want some from Mario. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think if you're going purely off of what you can get for them, you, you, trade to brink it because like you said gate if if he you know medals in the the ahl his his stock plummets and there's there's much less uh you know heat around him at that point than there is right now um over over a dylan sakura which outside of you know one prospect camp video um i don't think there's a lot of people you know that high on him um, outside of like the very, very underbelly of, you know, scouting. So if he comes out and has a, another high end year, um, at, uh, at, at Northeastern, um, this season builds off of what he did last year. And if he's, uh, like you mentioned, if he's in the Hobie Baker, um, you know, if, if, if he's in the, the, the that consideration, if he's, uh, if he wins even, then you might be running into more of a uh, of a Kevin Hayes situation than you are a John Hayden, um, and that's I mean that's, that's a lot uh, that's that's definitely bad news for for Chicago because then you're you know you're you're going to be dealing with other teams that are going to be you know trying to get in and you know maybe get in his ear a little bit and say well you know we can offer you this you know more of a guaranteed spot maybe a little bit more money out of free agency kind of situation and lure him away from Chicago. So well, that, I don't know. That's the other it's, thing too, is that, you know, if, if you're talking about who, who you're going to trade today, say it's today. Um, I'm not, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if anyone's going to necessarily want to take Sakura at this point in time because he could just walk. Well, he's not even signed. I know. Well, you could trade his rights, though. Yeah, right. You trade his rights, and say you trade him to, you know, I was just going to say Team X, Arizona, and then he says, "Well, I don't want to play for Arizona," and becomes a free agent, and then signs with whoever the fuck he wants to sign with. Right. Who's gonna? Like who's gonna? Yeah. Who's gonna? Trade. Yeah. Who's gonna? Who's gonna really trade for that? So at this point in time, I think really your only choice, if you need to trade a quote unquote top prospect, is the Brinkett. 
unless you're sure that Sakura isn't going to sign. And yeah. everything points towards, you know, everything points towards that he wants to sign with the Blackhawks. That he just mm-hmm. he has something he wants to prove. He wants to do a Hayden, which was, you know, go back and prove his senior year, and then, and then he wants to sign and become a pro. So... All I know is that Will Butcher is going to walk on the abs, and he's going to walk right into the Blackhawks situation. Let's do this. <laughs> sure. Bring it on. I, I'm screaming Will Butcher. August 15th. You guys, just you wait. I'm going to be the first one in line. Hey, that's fine. I, I, I would I would love to have a, a jersey that says Butcher on the back, a Blackhawk jersey that says Butcher <laughs> on the back. Awesome. His old man. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I love that name. Garth Butcher. Oh, love it. <clears throat> Um, we already talked about the Hayden thing, I think. So we already talked about that and, uh, wrap up the last question. My, uh, lovely, my lovely lady asks, what is your ideal goalie situation? Um, you know, it's kind of a, kind of a broad question, kind of a broad question. I think she, what she meant is this year, this year. Um, honestly, mine, I don't know that I've seen anything out of Anton Forsberg. I don't know. I would be fine with Corey Crawford and JF Baruby as a is a one two. I don't know if that's gonna necessarily happen. I hope Anton Forsberg comes out and has a wonderful camp and makes this a non factor. And then you got JF Baruby is is the third string guy. That's a that's a nice one two three to to, to happen. Um I'm kind of partial to JF Baruby. I, I thought he was good when uh the Kings had him. I had, you know, kinda had my eye on him. He was kind of like, you know, once Martin Jones left, he was the next great, you know, the next, you know, promising Kings goalie. And then he got caught up in a waiver situation, end up on the Islanders. And Islanders, you know, it's one of those teams almost where the goalies go to die. So not ideal. So. But, Gate, that wasn't the question. The question was the ideal goal, goalie situation. And for you, that would be Corey Crawford backing up Condalia full time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Colin D'Elia, yeah. I think Colin D'Elia would be uh, a good AHL, uh, ECHL tweener at this point in time, which, you know, he could definitely be better than that, but uh, I think he would fit perfect as a depth guy in the in the organization. But he may get a better offer somewhere else, you know? Who knows? Yeah. I Yeah, I would, I would really want to uh, have one of Forsberg or Berube just – be head and shoulders above the other just so it's not, you know, a, a Crawford. And then, you know, you, you have a rotating backup system because like we said earlier, you got to worry about, you know, waivers. You got to worry about, you know, who's actually going to be shouldering that, that backup load. I think Forsberg, um, you know, he hasn't really had any real significant NHL experience up to this point. No, so like one game, you know, this, yeah, this, I mean, this might be his, you know, this, this will definitely be his, you know, coming out party this year in a backup role. What he's done at the AHL AHL level is pretty impressive. Um, you know, he helped helped Cleveland to the the Calder Cup. That's that's pretty good. Um, Berube as well at the AHL level has been, uh, you know, a solid goalie. And in his limited NHL experiences, you know, like you said, uh, in a situation like New York, wasn't the greatest for him. So. Um, you know, maybe oh. this will this will be a breath of fresh air. I take that I, back. You know, uh, I, Forsberg has nine NHL games. Sorry to interrupt you. He oh, or no, not ten? Yeah, actually, was, 10, ten NHL games over three seasons. He has. Yeah. So, go so ahead. it's it's 
you know, just just a little bit longer than a cup of coffee, um, and it hasn't been hasn't been great. So, you know, hopefully, if as he's developed over time, uh, you know, gets put in a in a in a situation where he's backing up, uh, you know, one of the top goalies in the league. Hopefully, won't have to see too much action. If Crawford can be can be healthy, then you know, kind of ease him into it. But you know, Barube's had some more NHL experience. I think you know he may end up being the better option. Who knows? Ideally, I would want Wooter Peters to be ready to go because he's a, a physical freak in nature, but he's far from it. Yeah, he's extremely raw. But <laughs> yeah, to, to put it to put it lightly. How about you, Aaron? What you got an answer to this or no? What, just for goalies? Yeah. Dude, I have no idea. Okay. That's not my forte. Um, <laughs> I, like I talked about on the last podcast, I was really hoping they would take Jake Ottinger. Yeah. Um, especially yeah. watching him. He would dominate this camp. I just know it. Um, and it would have been a perfect success, success successor. I almost or Kel pulled, Peterson. A, pulled the gate. Yeah. Um, to uh, to Crawford in uh, a few years, but you know, I the Bowmans have been infamous for not really investing too much in goalies, and uh, I was shocked with the whole Crawford thing. But yeah, I mean, I think they're just gonna get by with what they have. They've been like really lucky with guys like Ray Emery and Darling. Um, I can't even think of Andy the other Ranta. backups. What's that? Anti Ranta. Ranta, yeah. There's another guy who was really good when he was here. So we'll see. I, They've had a I couple the, of misses, the, but not many. This, the, the return of uh, Javi Bullen didn't go so well. The Turco thing didn't go so well. But for the most part, they've pretty much had hits. I think it's going to be a rude awakening all around. I think the, the yeah. backup goalie is going to be an issue. The defensive depth is going to be an issue. The penalty kill is going to suck. We lost Hosa, Kruger, Rasmussen. I mean, we didn't really backfill that well. Um, and then the top six, who knows if Richard Panic can score 20 again? Who knows who's going to play with Patrick Kane? There's just a lot of questions this year. Mm-hmm. And I think that the Hawks knew that they were taking a step back. I think they were like, okay, we're going to reload our prospect pool and uh, get some money off the books. And in two years, we're probably going to compete again. But I think we're going to really be exposed to a lot of inefficiencies earlier on. And people are going to panic. But that's just the reality it's be of a rough year. Um, coming down from a mountain yeah it's gonna kind of be like the 2000 you know 10 11 year after they won their first cup and they had to unload a bunch of people they had to take that step back and they were out in the first round for a couple of years and uh, that's what's already happened here but it may happen it could happen again this year unless uh, well i mean it was it was two first round exits between cups so i mean yeah as history tells us, this year will be uh, oh, pretty yeah. decent. <laughs> I think this year will be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I just was... need to sign Yager. Yeah. Oh, God. No. No more old slow guys. <laughs> Please, no. The team's gotten slow enough over the past couple of years. So, all right. I think that's going to wrap this shit up. We're at three and a half hours. <laughs> so, I Sounds think I'm good. happy. You guys happy? Very happy. Cool. All right, man. Yeah, we're good to go. All right, cool. Um, wrapping up, you can find me on the Twitters, the Facebook, the Instagram, at Puck and Hustle. You can find my normal colleagues at on the Twitters at Patrick underscore Stankus. Uh, Brian is at Atomic Froster. Norton is at PD Norton 3. And uh, the Hawks Shoutcast account. Um, uh, if anyone has noticed, uh, I redesigned the website, so that's all up and good. 
Um, I'm going to try and get the store, hopefully at some point in time, the store redone. It's, job is fucking relentless and never-ending. Uh, if you get a chance, please head over to iTunes, rate and review us. I will read your good or bad review, um, just like I did earlier tonight. Um, I don't have any extreme shout-outs. <laughs> I already talked about Brian Slagle, um, the D'Elia family. Uh, I don't really... Uh, Kumas, if you want to sponsor us, please. But uh, I doubt you listen. Uh, you guys got anything you want to shout-out? How about you first, uh, Aaron? Um, just to everybody on the Black Hawk Up account that uh, submitted some questions, we really appreciate the participation, and hopefully you guys get to check out a new podcast if you haven't heard this already. But, yeah, we really appreciate you guys uh, chipping in. And, um, yeah, everybody we met at Prospect Camp and interacted with on Twitter, It's uh, it's been a really fun couple weeks. So we'll have a, a few months off, and then we'll get into, into training camp. So, yeah, really appreciate it. You done messed up, A.A. Ron! Uh. <laughs> and Mario, you got anything? Yeah, um, just kind of echoing what Aaron said. Um, everyone over at, uh, at Prospect Camp was 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 great to uh, to interact with. Everyone on Twitter has been awesome. This is I, I can you know just speak from a from a personal standpoint. This has been one of the um, craziest summers I think I've had interacting with people that. Um, you know, just w- through the Blackhawks and through hockey in, in, in general, it's been um, it's been a, it's been a great experience. So, uh, just want to keep that up. And um, yeah, it's it's this has been fun. I hope to do it again. And um, you know, it's if you know it, it, for for people out there, if you if you find yourself arguing about who is going to be the eighth defender uh, <laughs> of the New York Rangers this year, just you know, put your phone down. Take a take a deep breath and you know maybe walk take a walk outside because hockey Twitter in 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 the middle of July can be pretty brutal. So there's other things there's other things to uh, to get your blood boiling. So see save save that uh, save that energy for October and and when the, when the regular season gets rolling yes. around. That's a great point. Great point. <laughs> and one more time. Bing 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 bong. I had to get one more of those in there. I had to get one I more. Love that. Aaron, Aaron on the Twitters is late in the Goldie, and uh, Mario is his name Mario Terabasi, right? Underscore Mario underscore Terabasi. Yeah, yeah, apparently there was already a Mario Terabasi. <laughs> Actually, there's a bunch on Skype. That's for sure. Uh, I know it that might, much. It, it might be old accounts that I just forgot the password. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, all right, cool. Uh, I think that that's, uh, that's just about it. So, thanks to everyone for listening and supporting us. Uh, good night, and don't be a meathead. So it was really fun. I wish I could just hug you all, but I'm not gonna. Well, vive la fucking France, man!
if you would excuse us, we need to get to bed.